By the time you hear this podcast, it will be too late to apologize. I'm holding on your rope, got me ten feet off the ground And I'm hearing what you say, but I just can't make you sound You tell me that you need me, then you go and cut me down But wait, you tell me that you're sorry, didn't think I'd turn around Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. Oh, you changed mics. Hold on. Huh? All right, one more time. I'm Ben. All right, there it is. There it is. (laughs) And welcome uh, again. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you to everyone who's listening or who has listened and has told people about it. We definitely appreciate it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, We are on episode 132. What do it do? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up meanings. Um, so while he does that, uh, again, thanks to everyone who's been listening. If you want to tell people where they can find us, there are a multitude of ways. I believe that's the correct use of the word. Uh, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, or just search by the time you hear this on Facebook. You'll find us. Uh, fairly easily uh, we are also on um, Instagram now the Facebook uh, search by the time you hear this y-o-u on Instagram search by the time you hear this with the letter u because we're urban yes we are and uh, that's the same spelling for our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com send us your comments questions concerns show ideas if you're an independent artist, we'll play your music for absolutely free whenever I get to checking that email. <laughs> so, <laughs> so whenever that happens, uh, Lil Nas X could have been in there like, would you play this song I worked on called Old Town Road? <laughs> this old expired SoundCloud link. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Lil Nas X. <laughs> um, it was funny that I, I met him at the at the Super Bowl. And that feels like it was 12 years ago, but that was in February. This Holy year. crap. I thought you were going to say 2019, but I guess he wasn't really a thing yet. No. Whew. Oh, God. Is this, we really want four more years of this, y'all? He was dressed like a member of the Gap Band. Anyway. Um, Look at Charlie. <laughs> yeah, Gap, Gap Band circa 1983. Yeah, that. that. <laughs> um, uh, where else? Oh, so if you uh, so you can find us and follow us on social media and email us in that way. If you want to listen to us on the go because this is a podcast and that's how it should be listened to, um, whether you're uh, in your on the commute 
to to the office because you still have to go in there or if you want to avoid that annoying coworker who you know tomorrow is going to be talking your ear off about the Falcons Ugh. and how they lost this time how did they lose i didn't see it uh matthew stafford threw a, a touchdown uh on the last play of regulation that tied the game and then even though Detroit got a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty before the extra point, <laughs> they still made a 48-yard extra point to Who's win the their game. their kicker? <laughs> Shout out to Matt Prater. Prater. I was going to say, is it Matt Prater? He used to save Tim Tebow's butt every week. So uh, you don't want to hear about that. Put your earbuds in. Listen to us. Uh, if you have an iPhone, we're on the Apple Podcast app. If you have an Android, we're on the Google Podcast app. Uh, we are also on TuneIn Radio, CastBox, Overcast, Auto Radio, <laughs> the Podcast app, Satchel Podcast Player, Play.fm, Pocket Cast, CastroCast, and the other podcast aggregate app. Podcast We're also app. on Spotify <laughs> and coming soon to Amazon. And if you want to search us by <laughs> subject matter, you can go to listennotes.com, search us there on our last episode. Uh, we talked about the movie Get On Up. So if you search Get On Up or James Brown, you should find that particular episode. All right. So you may have heard his voice for a second, uh, but he is, he is back. He is our podcast cousin. We have Brandon, a.k.a. Father Clef. Father Clef. <laughs> you, know, you know, from now on, from now on, my body's going to be like, I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And I'm Brandon. I'm going to just jump in. So yes. Just jump in at the, at the end of that. From now on, it's all good, cuz. <laughs> and also, you mentioned football. That's exactly why I watch wrestling. At least I know if I'm disappointed, I know it's on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should try that then, because I've given up on the Falcons. The Hawks aren't going to play until what? Until December 22nd, I think, is when that's happening. Yeah. So. I'm looking for something outside of GTA <laughs> to take up my time. And I say that I say that as a Giants fan, and we see what happened there. Yeah, I, I I've literally turned off from football. What happened? Oh, there? well they 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 <laughs> they played Thursday, and they lost by one. Oh, who do they play? The the Eagles. Oh man! But that wasn't that. You know what? People I hate the Eagles. <laughs> it doesn't matter that they lost because the bigger story is Daniel Jones tripping on that blade of grass. Okay, I did see that. So that that was recent. Yeah, that, that was, was the funniest thing I've seen all yeah. year. <laughs> he was tripped by a ghost of some sort. Yeah, he he was he was he ran like the guy from Children of the Corn. That <laughs> just trips on his feet. They're like. We need you to fall and make it convincing. <laughs> That's the best he could do. And and, <laughs> and people tried to like flip it because they want this Daniel Jones thing to work by saying, "Well, at his top speed, he was faster than Lamar Jackson." Word. Well, that means Lamar Jackson isn't running at top speed all the time. <laughs> Just imagine if he ran at top speed sometimes. So yeah, the mental gymnastics. <laughs> but I'm not going to insult your quarterback like that, man, because I know ours ain't doing the best right now either. So, No. But I wouldn't know that because and, I don't watch and it. And now we're, I, my team is down to the third quarterback because Andy, Who Dalton, has, Andy Dalton got a concussion today. What? Oh, joy. <laughs> so it's Jeez. some guy named Ben DiNucci. 
Oh, that, I'm just kidding. I'm, I was going to fake like the bit, but I don't know. The Ben Denucci. Yeah. Like, holy crap, dude. I watched him at Holy Cross. Like, <laughs> I don't know where he came from. I have no idea. I did get that way, though, about TJ Yates because I did watch him at North Carolina <laughs> when he came in against the Falcons versus, I remember this, against the Falcons and the Texans. I was like, oh, snap, that's TJ Yates. So he started for Carolina. <laughs> I didn't know he got drafted. <laughs> It's like the TJ Yates. Yes. The <laughs> TJ Yates. Oh God. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um well we I don't I don't think I asked this on the last episode, but I'll I'll ask this time. Be sure I'll be sure to ask it this time. Uh starting with you, Brandon. Uh what music have you been listening to lately? What have I? <clears throat> like uh yeah, such a loaded question, right? <laughs> no, like music, like like I don't think I've been listening to anything new. I, like I've re- like I've recently like had on repeat uh, a song by the Doves. It's a, a band, I, I presume. I only know one song from the uh, yeah, song that's... called Black and White Sound. Oh, I don't know that one. That yeah, that was from the I listened to Doves when I was in high school. Yeah, that they had it, Catch the Sun. I know that song. Yeah. It randomly came up on like some random playlist I was listening to, and it took me back to when I worked at Guitar Center in 2009. <laughs> and it would play at least it would play at least like seven times a day, and it was like one of the handful of songs that was like, okay, I don't mind that song. I actually <laughs> like that. And so going back to in, in the Doves catalog, that band is still together. Um, oh, they are. Yeah. Nice, but that, oh, yeah, that was. I have been listening to the music. I am, I, I am a, a, a big Blackpink fan, so I've been listening to their project. Okay, a lot the, the K-pops, the K-pop yeah. uh, girl group. It's a girl group, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. This is like their. I would say this is their foray into like their like American push, mm-hmm. like oh, where like it's BTS? still K-pop, but like they have like. <laughs> American producers sprinkled sprinkled out like Ryan Tedder has a song, which is fitting. Did he open the episode? Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Tedder uh, produced a song on on there, and uh, it's a it's a it's like way more English than they normally do. I'll say that. Okay. So, do you but think they can make that <laughs> make that run that that BTS is on right now? Yes, I actually think they're on a. Well, I don't know because I don't really listen to BTS. But I, I would say they're on a, a better because I see they perform like everywhere. Like they're like on like a bunch of like late night shows. Them and Chloe and Ali, like they're performing. Those those two groups are performing everywhere, and it's and it's making making me think like why why isn't everybody else <clears throat> doing this? Like because every time I sign on to YouTube, it's like oh these they perform here, they perform on this late night. Show. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. Okay. Uh, some more of those performances then. <laughs> ben, what have you been listening to? Um, outside of um, the Pop Punk Is Not Dead playlist, which I do love, and Pop Punk Is Not Dead, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's still here. Um, I have been listening to, the, which will tie into my earworm, Tony, Tony, Tony. And I've been listening to just a lot of Neo Soul in general. Um because I'm a snob that I like live instruments in my <laughs> R&B. <laughs> um, no, Roman. And I was listening. There was something I was looking into 
and it wasn't the super. It wasn't super cat. <laughs> Whoa. Wrong cat. Um, it wasn't the Thundercat video. I, although I do remember him mentioning that, you know, Rafael Sadiq played um, bass on on my earworm, which I won't say what it is yet. But I was just listening to, you know, the Tony, Tony, Tony stuff and um, just, you know, just remembering how good Sons of Soul was. And then also wondering why I was listening to this at such a young age. Because I didn't, I didn't know what slow wine meant. Like, I just... Thought it was a good song. Like, my ex girlfriend is a hoe. I did not get that song back then. <laughs> I get it now. And this also kind of goes to something I saw you post on Facebook, Brandon, about you posted it was the the debut album from Mint Condition, and you're like, this yeah. made me want to be in a band. <laughs> and I was like, sure, it made me want to be in a band too. <laughs> and the hilarious thing that was actually their second album. Oh, that was the second one. I thought. Hold on. So which one was it? Um, meant meant to be meant. Yeah, the first I think yeah, the first one is meant to be meant. Okay. And that has uh pretty brown eyes and everything. And you see me swinging. Yeah, that was my jam. Yeah. I remember definition of a band was probably the first time I really became into a guitar into guitar. Cuz you know, uh, what kind of man would I be? There's a huge guitar solo at the end of that song. Yeah. Which is you know, <laughs> not I feel common. like that's, that's very yeah, that's rare in R&B music, yeah. the guitar solo. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, I'm making a playlist, and, and it's, it's also dry. rare. <laughs> it's also rare in uh, well, not anymore, because we have Anderson Pack. But where their lead singer is also their main drummer, like so that was interesting. Because <laughs> if you watch, there's a few um, BET performances that they did where Stokely's playing drums, <laughs> like, yeah. and I believe the song that he did with Kelly Preston, not Kelly Preston, um. Kelly, Kelly Price. Price. Yeah, Kelly Price, that's an actress. Yeah, that's yeah, an okay. Actress. Kelly Price, I think he played drums on that too. <laughs> um, I'm not your daddy, I'm your man. Um Yeah, Stokely is is yeah, Stokely was a talent, man. Um still is cuz he's he's still here. Yes. Um <laughs> But yeah, I I've been listening to Neo Soul and then some of that early to mid 90s R&B. And if anyone out there has more suggestions for my playlist of um, R&B songs with guitar solos in them, please let me know. I think right now I can count them on like two hands. It's like Mercedes Boy by Pebbles. Uh, what Kind of Man Would I Be? Um, you Got It Bad. <laughs> and uh, Did um, In Vogue's Don't Let Go, did they have a guitar solo? It doesn't. It has a, it has a riff, but there's no solo oh, okay. per se. Oh, well, you might have to go like, like some Isley Brothers. I didn't think about that. So I added this week, and this is kind of weird, too, because I was playing all this stuff. You know, there's a six-year, five or six-year gap between my wife and I. And I was playing music from the 90s that she did not know. And I was playing, like, an early Monica track. (laughs) And we were talking about how she crossed over because, like, Angel of Mine came up. I was like, oh, this is when... She crossed over. She yeah, went to that, J Records. That was the pop. That was yeah. the pop hit. For You, I Will and Angel of Mine were her crossover hits. I was like, she used to kind of be a little, you know, and then she went back to it. And she was like, oh, my God, I love these songs. But then I started playing the Should Have Known, and she went crazy. I was like, so you like <laughs> you like when she went back <laughs> singing about a dude in prison <laughs> that she's going to wait for. <laughs> Oh, so that's always about sea murder. murder? I just realized. I think that. so, yeah. <laughs> but it has a guitar solo. <laughs> and I was like, that's going on the list. <laughs> and that's all I got. So yeah, I'm gonna 
I need more that have guitar solos. <laughs> it's not a lot of them. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess Dirty Diana technically is R&B, but more rock than R&B. I don't know. Yeah. That one kind of. Michael really blurred the line there. Didn't he? You yeah. know? <laughs> um, I've been listening to, uh, I, I've still like listening to my Sophistapop playlist. Um, and I, I, I haven't really added anything. Um, I think when we did that episode, Mm-hmm. Um, if we were to uh, crown a, a, a king and queen of Sophistapop, I thought the king would have been like Sting, mm-hmm. uh, even though he's never mentioned like in any article I've seen about this very obscure genre, I understand. <laughs> but like Sting would be considered, and then the, the queen, I guess, would be Sade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of them, but I've been trying to get my head around... Um, Another, uh, I may have mentioned them in that episode too, a very obscure UK act called Prefab Sprout. I remember you mentioning them, yeah. Um, and also uh, Swing Out Sister. I like them. <laughs> I do like the Swing Out Sister. Uh, Simply Red, Johnny Hates Jazz. So I, I have been listening to a lot of Johnny Hates Jazz after that episode. I think I took like four or five songs <laughs> and put them on my adult contemporary playlist because it's just really smooth stuff. Yeah, so uh, that's that's what I've been um, listening to lately. Uh, let's get into some. I did find a couple of news things that you know it it won't take a lot of too much effort because it, it's kind of stuff we've mentioned before. Um, I know we talked about. Uh, politicians using artists' songs in their <laughs> campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was a commercial or a political ad from Joe Biden, and um, it featured music from the Beastie Boys. And the clip has been taken down. It uh, debuted during... Um, What's today? Oh, so it was last Sunday's game between the Browns and the Steelers. And um, it was the. Yeah, it it it, it, it it's been taken out. It used the song Sabotage. I was going to ask what song. <laughs> <laughs> Sabotage. And it was a guy named Joe Malcoon, the owner of uh, a bar in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He says he's been struggling to run the bar, uh, which has hosted Jimi Hendrix and John Lennon and Nirvana. It's over 50 years old. And this is a legit bar? This is for real? Yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And he's been struggling to run the bar <laughs> and saying this is the reality of Trump's COVID response. We don't know how much longer we can survive not having any revenue. This is Donald Trump's economy. There is no plan and you don't know how to go forward. It makes me so angry. My only hope for my family and for this business and my community is that Joe Biden wins the election. So uh, what has happened since then is. Um, he don't say sabotage in the, in the ad? They use the song. But, I'm saying, but he doesn't say it like. He didn't say. Yeah, he didn't I'm use the word sabotage. This is sabotage. Like he should have said it. It writes itself. Uh, but he has been <laughs> since then. um he has been attacked and threatened by Trump supporters. Uh, he has been doxxed 
D-O-X-X-E-D. <sighs> yeah. For those who don't know what that means, basically uh, people have put out your phone number and address and other personal information uh, when you you didn't do it yourself. Um, and uh, it says uh, from a spokesperson from Joe, from Joe Biden's campaign said, and yet that is what Joe Malcolm and his family family currently face that he was doxxed, harassed and threatened after the Trump campaign has sought to smear community leader who dared speak out against Trump's failed COVID response. It is shameful. That is. Um, so I guess this isn't really about uh, a cease and desist. Yeah, I was going to say, but, I didn't think they would be upset with it, but this is awful. You know, not the, you know, the, not the, it, this wasn't from the Beastie Boys saying don't use our song because I'm pretty sure they had to sign off on it if it was for a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically the Trump campaign and, and their supporters feel some kind of way. Why would what, be- what do you think about that? <laughs> I, I hate that. <laughs> but that's a genius way to use a song like it's clever, at least, you know. I was as you were saying this, I was thinking like to troll somebody who's really right wing, like I would throw in like a, 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 a um, Ted Nugent song just to make him upset so I can get a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> but this is perfect. And I hate that a bunch of QAnoners and right wing nuts doxed him like that's Yeah, I don't I don't dig that. I want to I would like to do the commercial, but you said it's, it's taken down. Yeah, well, I I don't know if it was aired. I didn't. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. It was shown during the game on yeah. TV. I don't know if it's on YouTube anywhere. I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere. But yeah, that's kind of messed up. They would do that to him. I mean, the only thing I can think of that is just it kind of makes me angry, you know. But I'm not surprised. That's just kind of what they do. <laughs> They're not the best people. Brandon, what do you think? It's uh, it's terrible. Matter of fact. Uh, my wife and I, we just moved into a new house. We just bought a house. And I was randomly scrolling on Twitter. And it was the same town. It was like, oh, a guy was going around to houses that had uh, Biden-Harris signs <clears throat> in their, uh, on their lawn and leaving them notes. Like these like weird notes about, oh, you're not going to take my guns. I use my guns and stuff. And they're like, what? What the hell? Like, 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 I don't think, like, I, like, are people <laughs> that much of a fan of, of, of these politicians to where it's like, oh, yo, I'm, I'm willing to die for this. Yeah, they are. Like, yeah. Unfortunately. Like, that's, I, <laughs> I saw some, me out. I saw some tweet about that today. Like, it's like, okay, I like Batman. I like Batman a lot. But, <laughs> I'm not going to roll up on somebody's house for having like a Spider-Man thing in their yard. Like, <laughs> yo, just so you know, it's on site when you come out the house. And I posted your information everywhere on the Facebook group that I got. <laughs> that would just, that actually would be funnier than this. Batman <laughs> gang, son. Batman gang. Gang, gang. <laughs> It's like I killed my parents, son. That's how dedicated I am to this Batman life. (laughs) Took him out, son, in an alley. (laughs) I cried. (laughs) Put on the suit. Let me stop. (laughs) That would actually be funny. It's like it's like it's weird the the length people will go to like not be acknowledged 
by said politician at all. Yeah. It is wild. Um, and, like, doxing, doxing is a serious thing, too, because it leads to... It leads to a lot of really bad things, and I hope that him and his family are okay. But in most civilized discourse on the internet, like that's bad form. Like you don't dox somebody. There's, you know, of all. I mean, I'm I'm a huge um, redditor. I'm on Reddit all the time, and even on the Reddits subreddits where they're just like you know, showing people doing awful things. Their first rule is no doxing, unless the person's famous. Like if it's you know. If it's if it's someone that's famous, okay, then yeah, you can post their Instagram or Twitter because, you know, they're known in the public sphere. But like, if it's just like somebody, like, no, you don't dox them. You you don't do that. That's and you'll get banned if you do it. So, you you see that typically happening on sites like 4chan and 8chan, um, you know, some of the cesspools of the internet. And if you're somebody who listens to us and you don't like that comment, sorry, <laughs> like I'm not telling a lie. So, yeah. Yeah, I just think that's really, um, I guess, just unfortunate, really. I mean, yeah. and and it's, uh, <laughs> I was saying that there was a, I don't know if it was a tweet or someone posted something on Facebook that it's bad that, um, that people have become fans of politicians, mm-hmm. that you had to be a fan of them to vote for them. Yeah. And you know, I've told some people that, look, you can vote for who you want, but that doesn't mean they're going to do everything you want yeah. and that you are not allowed to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to vote for Trump, hold them accountable. But if you're just voting for him because you're a fan of him yeah. <laughs> and this is what we this is what you've gotten. You have no clue what he's going to do. <laughs> and what's crazy is just like and not to get too political, but like there's. um there was a uh, change my view. There's a subreddit called Change My View, and someone made the you know change my view. Trump has done absolutely nothing productive in his four years, and there is a list. I'm not even kidding of 125 things he has done since he's been in office. And I say this completely as just a as a non-Trump supporter. Um, if you are a Trump supporter, he's done a lot of things that you like. Yeah. They're not good for the country, <laughs> but <laughs> he's like. A lot of the, you know, other than I think the only thing he hasn't done is the wall, <laughs> which no, apparently have, he's have, scrambling to get. They have 400 miles of wall. Yeah, he's scrambling like at the last minute. I would be surprised if he's like using his own money <laughs> to get this thing done. Because apparently his advisor said, like, if you do nothing else, you have to build this wall. Like, what about the Supreme Court judges? You must. I am like, you must build this wall. But I don't have the money. Use your own. You must build this wall. So, like, yeah, his supporters want him back in there a lot of times because everything he said he would do, for the most part, you know, and the New York Times even said it, like, he's actually done. These weren't necessarily good things for the country, but his supporters are like, he said he was going to do it, you know, he did it. So <laughs> they're happy. <laughs> well, I wanted to play here. I don't know if, if this is the ad, but this this is the audio from – um from Rolling Stone's YouTube channel where they talk about this and they have the, they, they may have the ad, the audio from it, maybe not. Mm-hmm. We'll see. 
Beastie Boys song. The 60-second spot aired Sunday, October 18th during an oh, NFL game and is centered around Joe Malcoon, co-owner wow. of the Ann Arbor, Michigan club, The Blind Pig, which has been shuttered for shows throughout the pandemic. Malcoon talks about how difficult it's been for venues, bars, and restaurants to make ends meet with limited revenue during the pandemic and warns that many won't survive without federal assistance. This is Donald Trump's economy. <laughs> There's no plan and you don't know how to go forward. The spot also features snippets of the Breeder's Cannonball and the Pixies' Where Is My Mind. The Beastie Boys have been very strict about not allowing their music to be used in commercials since Adam Yock died in 2012. In his will, the late musician prohibited his quote, image or name or any music or any artistic property created by me be used for advertising purposes. <laughs> A spokesperson for the Biden campaign told Variety that the band agreed to let sabotage be used in the spot, quote, because of the importance of the election. Thanks for watching. For more on this story and all your so, um, I, 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 like I said, I'm pretty sure they went along with this. Yeah, that's an interesting ask, happen. too, in your will. That's, huh, okay. Well, you know, you don't want things to be taken out of context Which and I, being yeah. misused. And we've spoken about that a lot when it comes to Prince. Yeah, when you're not there to defend <laughs> yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, they said the song, uh, the Cannonball song by the Breeders. Yeah. Which is a good song. I'm not familiar with um, the Pixies. Where's track, my mind? Though. Yeah, I'm not familiar with much Pixies though. So, um, <clears throat> what? There's a movie that it's associated with. Uh, I don't know if it's like Train Spotting or something like that. One one of those kinds of movies. Um, yeah, they've just never been a. <laughs> they've just never been. And I, I remember when I bands. went to see I went to see uh, Mute Math at in Athens. Oh, and um, nothing but thieves open for them. I bet that was a good ass show. <laughs> and nothing but thieves perform. Where is my mind? But I can't remember what movie it's from. But this is. Stop. This sound familiar at all? Yeah, this does. Yeah, that's where is my mind? Okay. When did you? When was this show? This these are two bands I would really like. <laughs> when I would see, I think that was like 2017. Okay. I think. Who knows what I was doing? Yeah, I like those bands. <laughs> but yeah, um, I just thought that was that was an interesting story as far as like the. I I I think the Trump supporters were just mad because they said because you know it was a it was a hit on Trump, mm -hmm. and so they come after this guy, like are like okay I thought y'all were gonna like. Like, are you going to help him? Like, like, not. No. It's not like he. What he is saying is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, doesn't matter. It's just mean. He's being mean. He's he's being, being like mean. Leslie Stahl. Uh, <laughs> so, like, oh no, he wants his business to be successful, and it's not. Because of some very obvious things <laughs> for a very obvious reason. Oh my God! Stop making me feel bad. <laughs> We're gonna put your name everywhere, sir. Now it would be really funny if they did it to like make him a GoFundMe. I know that's not what they did, but that'd be like we doxed him so that we knew where to send the money for the GoFundMe. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Life music rocks. Just just like uh. Just like Trump bringing back Big Ten football and and Pac-12 football. Hold on, the Big Ten's not playing though, are they? Yeah, they are. They started yesterday. Oh, I, but he he's taking he's been taking credit for I them really deciding to play. <laughs> he's been taking credit. 
But he's, I went and talked to he the coaches. He even said that during the debate. Oh, God. But, but he said it during the debate. Yeah, but there, but the <laughs> when the, the schools got together and like, okay, should we play? You know, maybe there we should play. There are people without health care, Donald. Who cares about football? <laughs> but, the, but here's the thing. that When the, the schools got together and like they met and like, okay, should we play? What should we do? How should we schedule this? And when they decided to play and reporters were asking them, so did uh, the president have any influence? Like, we weren't even thinking about him. <laughs> the, pre- the who? The what? We got uh, we got millions on the line here. <laughs> we need football. The president said something about this? I, no, I'm just trying to get drafted, man. I'm just trying to get drafted. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to ask you about is that the it's becoming more and more obvious um, in relation, kind of relation to the first story with the club owner is that not only are the small concert venues suffering mm-hmm. and I, who knows if they're going to be able to recover uh, because also, you know, this, this expands to, to theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broadway has suspended their entire schedule until next summer. Um, <clears throat> you know, even like Disney laid off 28,000 people. Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, the movie theaters, you know, it, you know, things aren't, um, things aren't coming back, but this is also affecting music <laughs> festivals like Coachella yeah. and Bonnaroo and uh, Electric Daisy, uh, Electric Daisy Carnival, I think that's the full name. Um, so what do you guys think of like those kinds of things also being affected? Like not only the concert venues, but also festivals and, you know, the just the live <laughs> music experience. Hmm. And it's interesting you say that because I was supposed to play a show last night and we canceled it because we we didn't feel safe. We didn't quite trust the venue. Um, so I think what could happen and it'll be a little bit more difficult, but it's possible is maybe you take the same approach that the movies in the movie industry is taking Whereas they're releasing movies for home. Yeah. You know, whether you're like Disney and you put it out on your streaming platform and charge an extra fee or like the Borat movie that we were talking about earlier, where you just, you know, make it available just to watch with the plan that you have. Um, Maybe you put on a show and you just film it, you know, make it like a concert film, concert um, performance or whatever. Similar to like, you know, a concert DVD that someone might put out. Only, you know, maybe instead of performing at a festival, maybe you do it on a soundstage or something like that to where you have a a more controlled environment and allow people to stream it for a fee. Um, Now, I know some people might say, well, you know, Coachella normally charges X amount of dollars to put on to attend it. Well, you've lost a lot of overhead. All you're now is paying for talent and production. You're not paying for a place to have it. You're not paying for like a a whole, like, your production crew is going to be much smaller than what you would need to put on Coachella, you know, including, you know, it does suck because you're going to lose, you know, people who work the festival, stuff like that, but something is better than nothing. And you might even make more money stream like streaming it. You know, maybe you partner with Amazon and say, hey, we want to stream Coachella for three days. Can you provide us, you know, the the bandwidth and server capability and everything and charge your viewers, you know, maybe charge them like 50 to a hundred dollars to watch for three days, you know, 
you you could make a pretty penny doing that because now I don't have to leave home. I can I don't have to be in the hot sun or in the mud. Um, I don't have to pay a ton of money to get the really fancy ones that, you know, Kendall and Kylie Jenner have. You know, it's just there's something to be said that you could if you're creative enough, you can transform this into a win. It's just going to it's going to be a little bit tougher for the music industry because the movie industry is already in our homes. It's just that, you know, first they're used to being in the theaters. And then once that we've made our money from the theaters, now we're in your home versus now we're just we're just going to be in your home, you know, because um, AMC's got it so bad that if you slip them 100 bucks, you can have a theater to yourself and with 20 other friends. Like it's <laughs> it's hard out here for these theaters, man. From what I read, AMC only has enough cash to last them through the end of the year and then they might fold. Yeah, there's one. Um, or there might be a regal one oh, in uh, Tucker mm-hmm. in that area, but. Every time I drive by, always I'm not I I haven't checked to see if the movie theaters are open because I hadn't been to the movies in so long anyway. <laughs> but I would drive by and and check and just to see like the front and I'm seeing weeds, mm-hmm. um, the the grass growing out of in the parking lot yeah. like grass is growing, <laughs> um, old posters. And, and what's crazy is like first run yeah. movies, man. They're get twenty like hundred bucks. Bring you in twenty people, like first for, tenant <laughs> is a, is on that list. Like that would be a great party, but it's it's there's still a risk, and that's what there's I said. I was risk. asking, I was like, hey, babe, you know, like eighteen people that we could get. Like you go in on a ninety nine dollar movie, <laughs> that's like twenty people. That's like what, two five bucks, dollars. five bucks, yeah, five bucks each. That's not much at all. <laughs> we could see this thing. Are they happen. still charging the regular price for like the popcorn? And- I'm bringing my own. <laughs> if I'm renting out this place, to me, this is akin to renting a venue. I'm bringing my own food. <laughs> and you have to be adamant about that. Yeah. Like, hey, no outside food. I just gave you $100. And you know what I'd say? Then give me my refund. And I'm sure you're keeping it all for yourself. You're not putting that in the register. No, I'd be like, give it here. You know, we'll we'll leave and go watch this at home. <laughs> yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. You get $99 or you get nothing. <laughs> now you're going to argue over your... My free cooked fried chicken. Yes. Now, unless it was like, you know, one of the places where they bring you your food, that's worth it. Because those places, if you find the right one, they're oh, pretty uh, good. Um, Studio Movie Grill. Yeah. Or the movie tavern. Uh, movie tavern. Yeah, if it's one of those places and I like their food, then I will buy your food. But if it's one of them places where it's like Mike and Ike's and like prepackaged chicken tenders, <laughs> I'm bringing my own food. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Like that's what it's – what's that Regal in, in Austin we used to go to? It was like prepackaged foods. Like they just – you could see them like rip open the thing and dump it in the, in the fryer. <laughs> All right, 15 bucks. Like no. <laughs> that's more expensive than Applebee's. Like that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Um, what, Brandon, what what do you think about the the live music experience? Do you think it can recover, or or what do you think of Ben's idea as far as like streaming these kinds of shows? I I think that's that's where they're gonna have to go. <clears throat> like if this doesn't get better, they're gonna have to do something. Yeah. Something along those lines. Like with Coachella, they already stream Coachella on YouTube. Well, they stream. Well, it, well, they stream most of Coachella on YouTube for free. 
But if they were to like, I don't know, like increase the quality of, of the production of, of it all, being that they don't have to worry about like people, actual people being there, and it's like a in studio <laughs> thing. I could I could see something that being something I would possibly pay for, but I, it, would, it would suck not being able to go to a concert any, anymore. Yeah, because there is something about the live music experience that even with the best concert DVDs and Blu-rays and everything, all this technology we have, that you just can't get if you're not there. Mm-hmm. You just can't get. I remember I went to go see. I'm gonna age myself here. Um, the Jeep World Outside Festival. Back when I graduated from high school, I'm not going to say when, but it was around the time that Soak Up the Sun by Sheryl Crow came out. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw um, at this at this festival, you know, which I think was one of the only ones I've ever been to, was Tonic on a small side stage. And I remember watching them, and I was a huge Tonic fan, still am, and I had been like, I had the album Sugar on repeat. You Want It More is on that album. And there's that part at the beginning of the second verse where the drummer hits that little, um, that little cool little roll. And I remember I made eye contact with the drummer when he hit it, and he looked at me and winked at me. You can't get that on TV. You can't. Dude. <laughs> you, you can't, can't manufacture that. And then I met the guitar player after the concert. <laughs> when so, I, yeah. yeah, it was kind of where I went to see Fantagram. I've seen them twice at Tabernacle. And... Um, I'm like in the very front mm-hmm. and I have my camera out and Sarah Barthel comes right in front of me. Like she, like I, I got a center shot. Of nice. Her. And I, I feel like she did that just for me. I didn't know who was behind me. I don't care about, <laughs> but I was in front. So she did that for me. Um, or my apps was mine. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> or how about this? Even something simple as uh, breaking new artists. Like the opening act, yeah. Like the, the opening yeah. act is very, like I didn't like I I had heard of who Dua Lipa was beforehand, but I didn't like really tap into who she was until I saw her open for Bruno Mars. Nice. Same with Logic, he opened for a a Childish Gambino show I went to. Nice in where is that Binghamton? It was in Binghamton, and he was the opening act. Didn't know who he was. That, oh, yeah, that's a like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna check his stuff out. Maroon Five, same thing. They were at that. They were at that show. Had not released anything yet. <laughs> next thing, next year, songs about Jane drops. I'm like, I remember this song somewhere. Who? Oh, wait, I saw them on the side stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I fully agree. Like that artist that you don't know, and then they blow up, and you're like, oh snap. Like I thought that was Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> Like, I saw them while they were still figuring stuff out. <laughs> and, yeah, I do miss that. Now, I do think, though, hope. I mean, like, you know, maybe they would give, you know, if you're broadcasting your concerts, maybe you give them that opportunity. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But that that's something I didn't even think about, and that's, that's going to kind of suck for those artists who are trying to, you know, come up, get the come up. Yeah, yeah. Um... It, there, there's going to have to be like other strategies basically to get your music out and to kind of give people that intimate live experience. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens there. Um, one other story I want, uh, I kind of want to talk about it, but we can probably save it. Um, it's related to our primary topic, but there's a book coming out about Aaliyah uh, next year. 
Um, and the date is close to the 20th anniversary of her death, Do you which know I felt. Uh, I think her name is Katie Iannoli. Okay, I thought you were going to say like Dame Dash or something. Like no, that. no, <laughs> no, not not like that. Um, yeah, I I, I could, can't find the I closed the the tab, but um, I just felt that that was kind of weird. But there, there's some biography about her, um, and there's probably going to be stuff that's going to be left out or, or very sanitized. You know, similar to our discussions about R. Kelly. That's mainly the <laughs> that might not even be there. That might just be like she no, knew R. Kelly, and um, they didn't really, you know, it wasn't much. Okay, next chapter, please. Like he produced her first album, and then, <laughs> then she met Timbaland, <laughs> and she was like, "R. Who?" <laughs> um, I did find that two two of her songs. Uh, one was on the uh, "Are You That Somebody" is on the Annabelle soundtrack. Why? I don't know. I found it on Spotify. So, are you that somebody's on Spotify? And um, what was the other song? We need a resolution. Mm-hmm. Is from a movie called The Strain. So it's on that soundtrack. So those two songs are on Spotify. Uh, I don't know. If slowly but surely, <laughs> her catalog. Like we like we mentioned before, her only full album that's on Spotify is the one produced by R. Kelly. The one that you would think wouldn't be the one. Yeah. <laughs> You would think they we burned the masters like <laughs> <laughs> that's really weird. I guess that was those are the two songs that her uncle couldn't keep off. He fought. He yeah. loved, he's like, I'm gonna take this to the Supreme Court. Like, bro, it don't work like that. Like, it don't work like that. I, I'm still not sure why he's holding back on that. Does does he feel guilty? Him? Well, he holds back on JoJo as well. So it's probably something with he wants money uh, more than they'll give him because that's why yeah, none of JoJo's JoJo stuff is on. There. She had to record her first two albums, re-record her first two mm-hmm. albums again. Yeah. And he, put them out like essentially cover albums. Yeah. Which is really sad because those first couple of albums were like really solid. Yeah. yeah they're like really good. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's look at the Billboard charts really quick here. Um, I don't think like we last recorded on. Yeah, I don't think anything Tuesday changed. or yeah. Wednesday. So I don't think anything's changed here, but just in case y'all want to know, um, number one song is Mood by 24K Golden, I'm guessing, featuring Ian Dior. Uh, number two, WAP. I have to deliberately pronounce it that way. <laughs> uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. Number three, Laugh Now, Cry Later, Drake and Lil Durk. Number four, Blind and Lights by The Weeknd. Number five, Dynamite by BTS. Number six, Savage Love, Josh685, and Jason Derulo. Number seven, Rockstar by The Baby featuring Roddy Rich. Number eight, I Hope by Gabby Barrett and featuring Charlie Puth. Number nine, Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. And number 10, Lemonade by Internet Money and Gunna featuring Don Tolliver and Nav. So that's uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac is still number 12. Um, well, Brandon, you use TikTok, right? Where did the the Fleetwood Mac like? Where did where did it come? What was the original video as oh. far as the Fleetwood Mac <laughs> there was uh, a, trending? Uh, a guy, there's a guy on TikTok named Dogface. He's a his older Hispanic gentleman, and he like just posts TikToks of him dancing a lot. And <laughs> the video itself is him on a skateboard, 
is it's on a skateboard and Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac is playing, and he like takes a sip of like, like uh, what's it? Uh, what's it? Cranberry Ocean juice. Spray Ocean juice. spray cranberry juice. <laughs> Out of the <laughs> bottle. <laughs> and he just starts lip singing. He starts lip singing the song, and like it just took off, and everybody else started doing it. Yeah, because I I and saw I guess, a um I saw a video of Mick Fleetwood doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> and i didn't know where the trend came from because all the other videos i'm seeing it's people drinking cranberry juice straight from the jug mm-hmm. <laughs> while that song is playing so yeah um i guess like i guess it's like this is like the first time gen z is a first yeah. about a with mac so i can confirm that because um so my you know my wife in her occupation I guess she's considered like she's got the people who are older than her and then the people that are younger than her. And she's like just in this weird in the middle spot. And she knows the song. And so the people who are older than her are like, oh, you know this? Yeah, this is an oldie. And then the people who are younger than her is like, oh, my God, have you heard this song called Dreams by Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, caught me like, yes, yes. <laughs> That's the really cool thing about TikTok. It's like once like something... Once a cool meme takes off, like whatever song is associated to, <clears throat> it, 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 their streams shoot up immediately. Yeah. yeah. I watched a really interesting video that I'll share with both of you a little bit later on YouTube um, from a really good channel. I remember the channel. I would give him a shout out if I did. But he talks about <clears throat> um, he talks about that uh, what how TikTok is hurting the music industry, like how it helps it, how it hurts it. He talks about artists that benefit from it, artists that benefit, well, artists that he he thinks um, it benefits them and that's a good thing, artists he thinks that it benefits them and that's an okay thing, and then artists he's like, why are you doing this? Spoiler alert, Justin Bieber and Drake are on the why are you doing this? He's like, it's the rich getting richer. Essentially, they're making songs for TikTok, Mm. which made me think this is the new ringtone, whereas people used to make songs for ringtones. Now the popular place is TikTok. So we're going to make songs that we know will get big on TikTok. I still think it's very mm-hmm. weird that with those TikTok videos, that like there's, there are people who are famous TikTok dancers. I'm like, how are you dancing? How are you a dancer and you don't move your feet? Hey. Or the one thing that the, the one thing that does bother me about TikTok is, is uh, the younger <laughs> crowd finding out about, like say, like, you know, you know, like the little John Snap music era where they <laughs> clearly say what the dance steps are. Yeah. And they're not doing the dance steps at all. They're just doing some really like hyped up other stuff. Yeah. Like they're saying snap your fingers and there's not a finger being snapped. <laughs> like, this is something, this is my parents used to listen to. Like, stop that. Like, there was this video of uh, some girl did like the, um, I can't remember who she was talking about, but. She was talking about um, uh, this. This particular producer has invented slowed reverb, and like that's chopped and screwed. What What are you talking about? Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and, and what's terrible is that I, I feel bad for her because she's she's just she just hosts that, and she caught the brunt of that. She's, she's the host of that. So she was like, oh, she she doesn't know. <laughs> Oh my god! So yeah, that that's the that's the younger 
the younger demographic that that your wife works with as far as <laughs> have you heard of this slowed reverb <laughs> i mean chopped and screwed no no slowed reverb <laughs> no one's ever done it before it's like no i need you to go back <laughs> listen to some houston rap <laughs> there's a whole album called chopped and screwed yeah Go check it out. There are mixtapes you can find at almost any gas station in Houston. <laughs> they still what? still chopping and screwing stuff. <laughs> oh man. There's probably a savage mode too, chopped and screwed at a gas station in Houston. <laughs> Go find it. <laughs> um, okay. That'll bring us to the end of our music news. Um Ben, why don't you tell us about your earworm of the week? <clears throat> So it started when I'd watched a video with Thundercat talking about his favorite bass lines. And uh, I can't remember. He said he played with Raphael Sadiq. Yeah. Um, and apparently he he had been playing the bass line to Lady by D'Angelo, which Raphael Sadiq produced and played on. He'd been playing it incorrectly. Um, and Raphael showed him how because Raphael is just awesome. Um, he's, a, he's a multi-instrumentalist. And I just realized um, really this past week, He's probably one of the more understated um, forces in R&B. I don't think he quite gets the credit he deserves. Um, And I haven't figured out exactly why, because he was everywhere back then. I didn't realize my favorite song by Total, um, Kissing You, that was Rafael Sadiq. Wrote it, played bass, played guitar. And when I listened to it, I was like, I should have realized this sounds like it could have been on Sons of Soul um, Sons of Soul era Tony, Tony, Tony album. It, it could have been one of those songs. I just did not put two and two together. So I have been on a Raphael Sadiq kick all week. Um, and so that involved me going and listening to this song as well as How Does It Feel, which he played <laughs> played everything on. Um, and then also understanding that D'Angelo himself is a multi-instrumentalist. So I've just been diving in this stuff. It's really good stuff. All right, so this is Lady by D'Angelo, and we'll be right back. Lady by D'Angelo from his album Brown Sugar. That was his first album, right? Oh, I keep putting it open the wrong mic. <laughs> yeah, that oh, was his go. first album. Um, 
Yeah, I did not realize that he he himself, D'Angelo, played all of the a lot of instruments because he played the majority, you know, of the instruments on that. I never realized that. So um, I'm learning, of course, you know, as much as we talk about on here, I'm still learning stuff too. Going back and looking in a, into that era of R&B, which to me is, you know, one of the better eras probably within the last 30 years or so. Like there was so much creativity. R&B was an art, you know. It was, you had musicians, and I mean musicians making music. And I mean, I'm not going to say it was underrated because critics, you know, these albums were acclaimed, you know. But I think in the in the grand scheme, you just don't hear them come up that much anymore. And that kind of makes me sad. But as is, you know, how it kind of so, goes. Like, <laughs> I would say, like one of, like one of the, like I would say, newer acts who, uh, who uh, I guess walk in that same uh, vein. But like for some reason, they just play to the newer generation too much. Is Ty Dolla Sign. Ty, Ty Dolla Sign hmm. is a really good bass player. Really, he's like a really good bass player. And I wish he'd show that off a lot more. <laughs> Bet his record company doesn't. Probably doesn't no, we like don't want to see you with no instruments. Yeah, that's, no that's Thundercats thing. I think, I think his, <laughs> we I think need to do these trap hooks. In, I think his father was in like jazz band or something. Whoa, really? <laughs> I'm gonna look that up right that's now. That's pretty dope. Okay, that's pretty dope. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that. Like he's like a ridiculously good bass player, and like he. Just doesn't flex it. Uh, his father was in Lakeside. Okay. Lakeside. Oh, really? I like that band. That is a that's a forgotten band. <laughs> but that was kind of like when I hate to say this, but that's kind of when funk man's like a dime a dozen. Like there are a lot of like I because there's a lot of songs that people probably think were done by the same people. Yeah. Like when I remember the first time I, I heard of the group Confunction, I was like, that's a band. I thought they. I thought someone else, okay, whatever. <laughs> they have their, was it Love Train? or um, uh, Love Train. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was Ruby the OJs. Find out, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, That's a Love a, Train. Uh, That's a different song <laughs> altogether. A lineup at a Sinbad concert. Remember Sinbad? Yes, those are Aruba shows, bro. Yeah, he bring out everybody. What was it called? Was it like Sinbad Summer Jam? Something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. It was Aruba he, every year. Because he would have he would have <laughs> a concert with all those acts, and then mm-hmm. he would do a comedy show. Makes you wonder where Dave Chappelle got it from, huh? <laughs> it's just like if you've got the influence and you got the connections, I, I would do it. <laughs> well, it was much easier to have a block party in New York than a festival in, in Aruba. <laughs> Aruba, yeah. <laughs> but I just, it just, I didn't even think about that really until just this second. It's just like, yeah, it was a concert, a comedy show, all you know, a, a huge weekend of entertainment put on by Sinbad so and he would bring out Dougie Fresh and they would he would beatbox it was it was a lot of fun I loved those things yeah I, I miss Sinbad he's still here by he's the way still, he's still with us he's still, still with us still with us still with us still with us all right so uh let's get to our um our main topic here we started the episode with uh the song Apologize by One Republic, <laughs> but it was a particular remix of it uh, that became very popular. Um, it was remixed by a guy named Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I have to ask, <laughs> for that track, did either of you hear the One Republic version first or the remix that Tim did first? I heard the I heard the Timberland remix first. Okay. Yeah, I heard the, the remix first. Same. And I think I remember trying to download it to like an old iPod I had, and I went <laughs> to listen to it, and it was the, it was the original version. Like, what is this? I was like, oh, what, what is this? It's devoid of all funk. <laughs> <laughs> Which it was not. That's and man, and don't get me wrong, the original version is not bad. I like both equally. Both have their place. But okay, Timbaland sure. made it danceable. He made it to where, I mean, he polished it. There's, you know, there's um, more of a chorus effect on the vocals. The vocals are cleaner. Um, I'm sure he went in and added a ton of compression because that's just what you do. Um, to me, he, lyrical, well, lyrical content aside, he gave it a strip club tempo. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. It, it was smooth. It's it was strippable. <laughs> he could shake you. <laughs> that would... <laughs> Future because five strip club anthems <laughs> like strip club anthems and strip club rock because there is a difference yeah, people yes, yes there is yeah. if you go listen to like uh <laughs> go listen to a nickelback a deep cut between bands make her dance and she's my cherry vibe yeah. yes yes or was that porn star dancing by my darkest day <laughs> that was produced by the god of of, of stripping songs um chad kroger and zach wilde played on it i was like this was made this was made for that strip club, but anyway. Speaking of strip clubs, uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Follies, but all right, go ahead. Follies, what? Yeah. What? They had to shut down, man. COVID taking everything, man. Where but is it's that? Because, it, because of Buford Highway, like, they're trying to they're trying to keep it clean over there. Oh, okay. I was going to say, where's their commercial, man? Like, <laughs> to the windows. <laughs> We've had to close our doors. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, Hold so on, I need yeah. to mark that. That might be our <laughs> snippet when I post this on Instagram. <laughs> okay, oh man, so yeah, Timbaland though. <laughs> um, I, I guess what one of the one of the most successful hip hop pop producers. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was able to cross over. Yeah, he like he, well. Yeah, very well. Yeah. He started off. I mean, more. It, kind of the first thought you he he hasn't done as much hip hop as you think he has, or at least he didn't start off that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if if someone, uh, I I don't know what high school this was in Virginia Salem High School in Virginia, but for him to go to school with, uh, or at least be in the same area as Pharrell, <laughs> yeah, and Missy. And the clips. And <laughs> Virginia was just oozing with, you know. And it, and, it's a, and it was a place that at the time, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, nobody's thinking Virginia as some hotbed of of musical production, especially not in hip hop at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, what the clips say ain't shit to do but cook. Like, <laughs> like in my young mind, I, did, I was like, oh, like food? No, he meant he meant drugs. Yeah, it was it was real it was real like this is um uh like kinda kinda in the I don't know if they're how close they are, but this is where Allen Iverson's from. Mm-hmm. This is where Michael Vick is from. So yeah. it's really like rapper play ball. <laughs> <laughs> You're trapped. <laughs> you are trapped. Trapped, play ball, ball, trapped. Um but uh for 
I I couldn't find the I don't know what I saw it on, but there is a I don't know if it was a documentary or just some interview as far as when Timlin got with <laughs> um who got his name from Devontae Swing from Jodeci. Devontae Swing. And now, that is a name I have not heard in a while, Jodeci. He Devontae Swing was uh, kind of like one of these underrated as far or understated as far as like He's, I guess you give him credit for discovering Timbaland and Missy mm-hmm. um, and Casey and JoJo and yeah. all of them. And so he he brought these acts together to start making music. Um, I can't, I think the Swing Mob. And um, <clears throat> there was, I guess, I guess some stuff like Timbaland was more root started really in R and B. Did R and B for a really long time. One of the first rappers he actually worked with was, I mean, you could say Missy, but outside of that, it was Jay Z. Yeah. Uh, on Volume Two. Um. Yeah, so his first full credit was an R and B album. <laughs> yeah, like, the but Bachelor, a lot yeah. of his other stuff was like this is R and B. He did Aaliyah's One in a Million. Mm-hmm. Uh, G.Y.'s The Bachelor. But even then, though, yeah. like he had so like you look at someone like an Aaliyah and it's R&B, but it always had kind of a hip hop feel to it. Yeah. Um, and an electronic feel to it, which I I don't think could fully be understood until you look at his catalog as a whole, which is something we can talk about a little bit later. But like you listen to a beat like one in a million. You could easily rap over that, you know, yeah. or even if your girl only knew. You you could rap over that, you know, a lot of those beats. So, yeah, it was a lot of R and B, but I mean, it, it gets it kind of felt like, you know. Now, you know, just looking at his his credit, something early, some of the earlier earlier stuff was very R and B. Like it was it was what R and B was at the time. Whether or not you were gonna rap over it or not is, you know. But I felt like when Aaliyah came out with her stuff, it was a little more like, oh, you would expect it to be a little smoother, but that fit her image, you know. She didn't. Dress like a Brandy or or Monica or the other R and B singers of her time. She's in huge clothing. She's got on the sunglasses. You know, they even put her. She sings the hook on "Up Jumps the Boogie," and like she fits in with them. Yeah, like she fits in with that whole crew. It was like Genuine's on that song, Missy's on that song, Timlin Magoo, and she's dressed like them, and it looks it fits. So she's almost like a rapper. Um, one of the that that's kind of like the as kind of the aesthetic. Like mm-hmm. you look at them as rappers, but that's actually not what they're doing. Like not full on. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's some other other elements to to mm-hmm. the music there that they've been making. Yeah, uh, Brandon, I ask you this: um, What was your? Do you remember your introduction to Timbaland at all? It had to be. It had to be Timbaland and Magoo up jump the boogie. Whew. that track, man. Whew. Timberland will go up, up jumps the buggy. It was between that and I can't remember what the name of the song is, but it's I believe it's a Missy song featuring 702. Yes. I can't remember the name of the song. Beat me now like one the, one. The videos they're like a they're like in a they're like made up dolls. Yeah. Barbie dolls. It's beat me now one one. Yes. That's an all time favorite. Those those those. <laughs> Those two songs were, were definitely my introduction to Tim. Yep. Yes. Um, 
Oh. Yeah, for me, like the um, <clears throat> it's kind of like I heard of Timberland through. I didn't know he he had done. I think um, Aaliyah's album was before Super Duper Fly. So, but I was introduced to Timberland <clears throat> by way of Missy Elliott. Yeah, <laughs> and and then up jumps the boogie. Like like I I that's 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 a what was that? That was probably like middle school for me. High yeah, school. yeah, middle school. Um, so that that's a song that like everybody was um, singing at my school, and it had no idea that you know these people are from they're from Virginia, and that's not a place that you think of. Yeah, and not only they're from Virginia, like they're friends. Yeah, <laughs> their styles are like other. really similar. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think. You know, talking about that, their styles are similar at the beginning. And then, of course, you know, um, Timbaland just goes off into electronic land and just yeah. never comes back. Um, and Missy, I'm not going to say Missy stays static, but Missy has her style. It updates over time and it does what it needs to do. But, you know, like she had that line, you know, we so tight you get our styles twisted. It was kind of like that, like, because honestly, yeah. Brennan, until you said that, I would have been like, nah, bro, Missy produced that. But then you hear him go like, uh, uh. I was like, okay, that's how you know. <laughs> that's how you know he did it. <laughs> um, because their styles were so similar to the point of where this track does not stick out. From I've listened to Super Duper Fly front to back, and this track does not stick out. That's how similar they were in style um, until they kind of, you know, branched out and started doing their own thing more so. I wouldn't be surprised if it was because he was just like, oh, I need to go off and do my own thing. And he started, you know, really getting into um, the electronic sound, very, very in, um, influenced by what they were doing over in Europe. That really informed. And you really yeah. hear it um, when he makes Future Love Sex sounds, which is down the road, but yeah. <laughs> um, so with his, what I, what I know, looking at like just who he's worked with, it. I mean, yes, there's a lot of R&B. There's some hip hop. Uh, but then like what he's done as far as crossing over to, I guess, I guess crossing over to pop, <laughs> um, some artists that, some pop artists that uh, he's worked with from the the playlist that I, I made a while ago. Um, of course, there's Justin Timberlake. There's Ashley Simpson. Uh, Flo Rida. Flo Rida is pop. I don't care who <laughs> says otherwise. Flo Rida is pop. Um, there was somebody else. Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, Madonna. Nelly Furtado, Nelly of course. Furtado. Now, I feel like outside Paula of feature, Deanda. Sex Love Sounds, the, the, um, I think the promiscuous album really put him out there because he and he was featured on promiscuous uh, girl loose yeah that, that album is loose yeah loose um and i think to this day some of his best work i mean i i think um say it right it's the best song of her career <laughs> and yeah. it's just it's such a good song and i i think out of the out of everything he's produced maybe i'd say like it's for me it's top five like it's just but such yeah, a good if song. You ask, if, if you were to ask me, I would put anything Timbaland has done in the 
the quote unquote pop music realm, mm-hmm. he, I, for me, it eclipses everything else. What say it right? What just whatever he's anything he's done in pop. Yeah, I think it. I think that stuff eclipses what he's done, like in like saying like R and B or yeah. rap. Because he's got such a good ear for it, you know. Yeah. Um, and even something as simple as, like his his like in ah, this song and the like, but it just adds this atmosphere to it though. Um, you know what it is? It's we've all heard a pop a pop song where it's like as straightforward as possible. Mm-hmm. But if we're listening to it. What not on top of it? That's what Timberland does, but makes it audible. Mm-hmm. That's a good. I never thought of it that way. Like he, like the reason I'm such a fan, like he always does whatever <laughs> I'm thinking in my head of a straightforward <laughs> pop song, a straightforward pop song. Yeah. Like for for uh for apologize. Yeah. So like I would totally beat Fox over that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's so that's okay. So I'm glad you brought that up. Because that's something else that I think um, is his legacy in terms of outside of, you know, his him really bringing electronic music, not even being a DJ, but bringing electronic music into pop is his willingness to go in and record his sound, his self beatboxing yeah. and making a beat from it. <laughs> I can't think of anybody else that would have done that besides Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, and Michael and yeah, Michael Jackson did it. Um, but he made it like Michael Jackson did it just to serve the song. And Timbaland made it a, a song. More of a jazz <laughs> influence. It is the song. Yeah, for him it is the song. He he goes in and he and you know, there's some interesting videos of him explaining his process where he, you know, showing him going in and you know, making the sounds and then taking it and boom, here's a beat. <laughs> That's really and it's really cool and like I think for anyone who did not have his pop sensibilities, it would be gimmicky. But I think he's creative enough to where it's not like you know, it it it, it didn't it wasn't a thing where we're like, all right, bro, we we stop it. Like by track three, we're like, stop it. Like it's you know, he doesn't use it to the point of where it's just like we're sick of it. It's used tastefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I was trying to find the the clip here. I wanted Brandon to hear it too, so I can't play on the same source. But it talked about he, he there was an interview that he did where he talked about when he uh first started like beatboxing and someone said, Oh, that I like that. That sounds like do that again. Mm-hmm. And it what he did in the interview that's like, man, that's 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 he put he did that exact beat on one of his songs somewhere because <laughs> it it just sounds like you know like like I mean it's what he does it is him mm-hmm. um that is something that is definitely very unique <laughs> is to use his his own voice and use himself as an instrument to uh to make a song and that's kind of what helps what has helped him stand out all this time mm-hmm. is like there's no sound. There's, I mean, who's who's there that sounds like him, you know? Yeah. Um, and I remember um, there was a, it, it would kind of be hard to explain the, the context by playing the video uh, here, but it reminds me there was this, 
video of like like they're in it's some footage in the studio and Timlin's in there and Buster Rhymes is in there. I'm about to say Buster Rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, you see this video, Brandon, mm-hmm. where um uh Buster Rhymes is saying like, you know, uh Somebody came out and said, hey, man, you need to come in here. Tim was doing something with, like, a paper cup and a pencil <laughs> or something. <laughs> so, um, so he's a lot of the he he can get creative and inventive with his uh, with any sounds that he's making uh, in the interview. Also, he talked about how um, for when he did Pony for genuine he it was like some synthesizer or module or something nobody was using so he just tweaked it a little did a couple of things and made a whole new sound so it's like he's using uh he'll kind of think outside the box as far as just finding something that would sound good yeah. but it sounds a little different the crickets on one in a million <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know what i i see i hold the reason I hold I hold Timbaland and the Neptunes in such high regard for different very very different reasons. Mm-hmm. Whereas Timbaland uses whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is is to make a, a hot record. And the Neptunes and some people hate me for saying this, but it's not like a slight to them. It's the musicianship of of the Neptunes, they use the most trash quality quality sound <laughs> and made magic with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I feel sometimes with the Neptunes, sometimes like I feel like there's something missing on this, or there's something a little off. Very minimalistic production, <laughs> a lot of times. It's um, very minimal. Yeah. yeah, but and, and it's minimal. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And, well, I will say this, except when they're doing NERD. NERD well, is a yeah. little bit more produced, but yeah. their beats, like the grinding beat, very empty. <laughs> There's almost nothing on the verses. <laughs> and then, like, that's it. <laughs> so, I, I, no, I agree. It's, and it, but it works. And it's, I don't think it's a slight if it works. Like, who cares? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think this might be the clip I was looking for earlier. On. It was a gift that was untamed. I had no guidance, but I had this amazing gift, so I didn't think that, because I was making a beat on a Casio keyboard, I didn't think a Casio keyboard would turn into this. What was the first beat you ever made? What did it sound like? I remember making it with my mouth, and it was like Then my friend Cam was like, yo, do that again. And he was like, yo, you kind of dope. <laughs> and then you took that and, and eventually started sort of emulating that on the keyboard. I took, like, all I had when mom brought me a keyboard, a Casio keyboard, and all I had was one second. So I had to manipulate one second. So I said, and speed it up on a tape deck and resample it back into the keyboard at like, double time like I speak it is with but it won't be on beat so I have to find the click so like so I was like man 
one second, what you can do in one second. And I just took that and then that's when Missy came. So that was in high school. So, yeah. Uh, so you got, you got creative with, um, putting a beat together like yeah. that way. Uh, just like you said, using whatever is around, <laughs> um, and whatever that, you know, um, whatever tools you know how to how to do like for me like i know i'm not i don't use photoshop at all but i found apps on my phone where i can make a transparent image mm -hmm. so <laughs> but if you ask me to use photoshop i have no idea what that <laughs> is so just like um using the tools around you and and, and manipulating that in, yep. into making something yeah um what I wanted to also ask y'all about it, and also in this same interview, um, he doesn't think about when he's made a hit. Well, he said he doesn't do it anymore. But in his early years, that was a big concern. And later on, he's like, okay, I'm just, you know, just want to make something good, something mm -hmm. that I like and I'm proud of. But he doesn't, he's not concerned about whether something is a hit or not. Um, do you think that can only come from when you have like initial success? So which part are you saying the not being worried about making a hit? Yeah. I th think so, but cuz I can I can definitely understand why at the beginning you're just like I want to make a hit, I got to make a hit, I don't want to lose my spot to someone else. You know, all all these up and coming people who want to be a producer, you know, cuz back then when he's starting out, it's a little harder than it is now to get your voice heard. Nowadays, you know, I can get my voice heard. You can get your voice heard. Brandon can get his voice heard. Back then, you know, access wasn't like that. You know, if you did not have someone big pushing you, you weren't really going to get big. There weren't a lot of Lisa Loeb's out there, ladies and gentlemen. So, but nowadays I do feel like maybe it's one of those, it's like I've done everything that I've wanted to do. So any other hits I get now are just icing on the cake. Like if I get another, if I, I he's probably like, you know, if I stop getting hits today, uh, I had a good run. Like, <laughs> you know, but, you know, everything I get after this is just building on top of the cake that is Timbaland. So I guess that was a long way of saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to agree. I would imagine like after you've landed, I don't know, I'd say good 20 of them. <laughs> you'd be like like okay i guess i guess whatever i could come up with whether it goes or not i'm 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 content with what i've done thus far yeah um because i i was thinking about that as uh because also in in this um interview you talked about how with future sex love sounds mm -hmm. with the song sexy back partic mm -hmm. in particular he had to convince the record company that this was going to be. Oh yeah, this is the right lead single because Justin Timberlake's unrecognizable. Like you don't know it's him at all, really. Because I'm trying to I'm trying to think like his voice is distorted. His big thing is his his falsetto, not present. Right. So yeah, it's kind of. And I remember the first time I heard it, it was a slow burn for me. I was just like, this is weird. Like, what is this song? And by the second or third listen, I was like, this beat is so good. Like, it's... And was that, <laughs> wasn't that the beginning of the, like, I guess, like, 
towards the end of the the uh of I guess like the f- the first decade of the millennium where like things got back to four on the floor. Yeah. And that was it was yeah, I believe so. so. Two, this was 2006. So I guess in around that time that's where you're saying that's where music started to go in that direction? Yeah. I think you can say that. Like, because, and like, uh, I think more, there was more of the, um, the trance and EDM electronic yeah. influence on pop music. I think that's, yeah. that definitely did happen. Like you started hearing more and it's still going on, but like more rap and hip hop and R&B using synth sounds. As evidence when he did AO Technology, I think like a, what a year later, with uh, Justin Timberlake and, and um, 50. Fifty Cent, yeah, yeah. 50. huge hit, and it's it is like so ele- like it's so electronic influenced, um, and I think Kanye West kind of copied that because Kanye West came out with um, it was a late graduation. Registr- graduation, not too far after that, heavily um, EDM inspired as well. So I, I do think that's a, a an interesting pr- an interesting look there. As in, you know, it's called future love sex sounds, and it was quite literally the future of what pop music kind of became, the direction it was going in. And him and Justin Timberlake, with their clout, kind of helped push us there. Um, Looking at the kind of the um, how future sex love sounds came came around, and this was kind of the uh, another thing that that I noticed with Timberlake <clears throat> is. He'll just like we it, we kind of said this about Rick Rubin, like paying attention to the artist you're working with as far as who they are as a person, mm-hmm. uh, what they're thinking about as far as what they want to do with the next project, and really trying to get in tune with that. Mm-hmm. Um, like we talked about before, the chemistry he had with Missy Elliott. Oh yeah, um, to where. You can go back and listen to that stuff now, and there's still a newness to it. Yeah. Right? Um, Him working with Jay-Z, the song, uh, what song was it that he was talking about? It was either Hey Poppy or Jigga What? Jigga What, Jigga Who? That he came up to, he said, yeah, Jay-Z came up to me like at a, I was at a birthday party. And like, of course, Jay Z is famous for not writing anything down. <laughs> um, which, because of him, uh, freestyling has become overrated. But anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> I, the weird thing is, I think people take that completely the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't write anything down. I'm just pulling it out of thin air. Like he's not thinking at all. <laughs> like Jay Z's actually keeping track of what he's yeah. what he's saying. He just doesn't write it on a piece of paper. Okay, uh, but um, uh, he he started kind of like um, vocalizing. He didn't have the 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 words yet, but he had an idea of what he wanted to say. And Timbaland said, "Okay, give give me like five minutes," or 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 he just went back to the studio that night. And and put the put the song together based on what Jay Z was saying. So it's like to really be in tune and to be attentive to what your artist is is thinking 
kind of like taking what's in their head and bringing it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I thought that was that was pretty cool that like you really have to be um, you got to I guess you just got to really have an ear for that and to really be that attentive mm-hmm. because it came out the way that Jay-Z wanted it to or that that's what he was hearing in his head. Um, also with, uh, it was kind of the same thing with Justin Timberlake to where he wanted to, uh, after this was after justified came out and he didn't like what he was hearing on the radio and, but he wanted to be more experimental. And just from doing that and a guy who is experimental by nature, Mm -hmm. apparently, um, you know, then we get future sex love sounds and the 2020 experience. Yeah just from uh just from trying things yeah uh so i i guess i'll, I'll ask you this brandon what do you th- do we have that in music today like what's your perspective on that do we have chemistry between well, like, the artist and producer not anymore no but now but i say everybody say nowadays when you see that it's either it's either Pharrell working with somebody or <laughs> Cymbaline working close with somebody. You don't really, you don't really see those producer artist uh, relationships like that anymore. And it's like, I guess in this day and age of being able to just send stuff mm-hmm. like over the internet, for like, here's a beat or Here's a beat. I sent it to a, uh, a writer, and they put a reference over it. We want you to sing this, and it's uh, eh, yeah. That's a that's the it, yeah. It's 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 whack. And, but, <laughs> I, but like, <laughs> and like, and I'm trying to find like I'm trying to like think of like of projects where it's, it's a clear vision of a producer working with an artist, but I can't think of anything that's not Pharrell or Timbaland. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this in because this, this is an example I thought of. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. The, was it Savage Mode? Savage Mode 2 uh, with 21 Savage. And I'm probably getting the title all wrong. <laughs> but 21 Savage and Metro mm-hmm. Boomin did an album together. Right? And like to it's it, it seems like it's is it frowned upon to work with uh to work with one producer one main producer for a project um so i think the only person really now that's getting so there's two people that are getting passes on it um and one of them is is relatively new and that's in um Jack Atnoff and Taylor Swift so they've yeah. they've got a pretty good relationship going I think they're what two and a half albums in. I know he did most of Reputation, and he did. Yeah, but Jack folklore. Antonoff isn't in the videos. He's not. So doing now, vocals, so you don't have that vocals on the mm-hmm. songs. The other relationship is, and this one is very new. Savage Mode Two okay. is Billie Eilish and her brother. Yeah, Phineas. But That's another, but he's working with a lot of other people too. So, and I know Timbaland was as well. And I'll be honest, I'm not a big Billie Eilish fan. I don't really like any of her stuff. But I know that, um, you know, he's, they're, they're a team, so to speak. They work on all their stuff together. But yeah, I don't, I like, yeah. I, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a fan fan. I like a few songs here and there. 
but I I do like their production style. Like I'm not sure when they did it, but I think what's the song called? I think it's called Ocean Eyes or something like that. They just released the uh, the Logic file, Project file, just for free, and you can just see everything they did really? production wise throughout the entire track. It's pretty good stuff. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. That's kind of cool. I think more people should do that, but I think you've also got to worry about record companies, you know, who control a lot of that stuff. I don't want that out there. You know, like you can barely, you know, I I, I think that's cool, though. I know every time FL Studio comes out, there's a track that they throw in there. Yeah. That yeah. They show you how it was made. And that, to me, is really useful, like especially if you're trying to start out, you know, as a producer and figure out how certain sounds are made. That can be very useful. So good on them for doing that. Um, what do you think of the, like, I, a lot of us are introduced to him with his work with Missy Elliott and Jenny Wine and Aaliyah. He later he works with Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake. And then we starts doing, I guess, technically his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Shock Value 1 and 2? Yeah, with Shock Value. <laughs> well, don't forget about Tim's Basement. <laughs> I had that album. Because <laughs> I had Fat Rabbit on it as well as um, Who Who I Be. The um the great great Twister song, but <clears throat> like though that album was such a departure compared to what he went on because he didn't make another one for like eight or nine years, starts going in a completely different direction, and he releases essentially, you know, what is him singing in auto tune on Shock Value One and Two because he wants to he wants to be a performer. It's not the best singer. Which there's another video I'm going to send you to that that talks about auto tune and how it's misconcept it's misconceived. But I mean, he's essentially making you know pop music in which he wants to be a performer. He throws auto tune on his voice and he gets some heavy guest stars to be on there with him for clout that he's worked with. And yeah, um, Chuck, shock value. Yeah. He's got Justin Timberlake and Nelly Furtado, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Hilson. Uh, the way I are was a hit around the world. Oh yeah. Uh, 50 Cent and Tony Yayo on a song. His brother Sebastian is on a couple of That's songs. That's his brother? Yeah, Sebastian's his brother. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, Magoo, of course. Gotta have Magoo. Um, Nicole Scherzinger to where I, he tried to make that happen and it never did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he also worked, he did song with The Hives. Remember mm-hmm. them? Uh, Fall Out Boy. And of course, the, sh- the first shock value had the apologize the one republic uh song and he also had a song with elton john and on yeah. shock value two uh justin timberlake again also jojo drake yeah. he has a song with Tra- chad croker and sebastian uh, that's my miley cyrus nelly Furtado, Katy perry um jet uh so Chris daughtry too <laughs> yeah that's my so, of the two shock value two is my is the one i prefer the most um, so he, he, I guess he was even being more, uh, experimental, I guess with the artists that he worked with, he's crossing over genres mm-hmm. and demographics, um, and kind of introducing himself to a new audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't, if I go to a Nickelback show ever, um, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I don't know if I'll run anybody that's, you know, that knows, uh. What's the name of this song? Tomorrow, Tomorrow in the Bottle. bottle. Tomorrow yeah. in the Bottle. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian's got a verse on that. I didn't know that was his brother. Okay. 
And uh, he's also produced, uh, there's another album that he produced, uh, the Chris Cornell album. So I was hoping that would come up because that is, that I think that's the most polarizing piece of work of both of their careers. What's hilarious, it's in, I think it's in like my top five favorite albums of all time. It's a good album. I know I had um, part of me as one of my earworms after I, you know, went and gave the album a chance because a lot of people talked badly about it, including Trent Reznor, who apparently went in on him. And, <laughs> and I just want to be like, okay, I get it, Trent. I think Trent Reznor was bad because, was mad because Timbaland had the idea first. <laughs> <laughs> I give Trent all the respect in the world. I do. I really do. But, like, how dare you <laughs> speak against Chris Cornell? <laughs> how, like, I just want to say that, like, to Trent Reznor, he'll never hear this, or maybe he will. Frankly, I don't care. You told, you told, um, you told, um, Richard Patrick from Filter to go deliver pizzas. Go deliver pizzas. So yeah. I don't care yeah. if you hear this or not. But like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a good album, and you want to just sit here and talk, kick a man while he's down, huh? <sighs> That's very Trent Reznor. <laughs> um, and to kind of give you an idea of like kind of the where he's crossed over genres and works with different artists. This is a song for, um, I guess, a band. It's just two guys uh, called For King and Country. I'm not familiar with them. Um, they are they are a country music group, but they're from Australia. So. You know how that goes. Um, <laughs> Keith Urban, this is what you've done. Uh, no, uh, no. Well, he's like the Vince Carter of country music. <laughs> but this is a song they did. Um, a song they did with Echo Smith, I think. No, this is just them. So this is song. This is called "God Only Knows" for King and Country. This is the original version. I'll play you. It's not a cover of... um, No, it's not the Beach Boys. Right away you cry, the world is sound asleep and Too afraid of what might show up while you're dreaming Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe you is the original version. This is the Timbaland remix, which also features Echo Smith. Say about you. God only knows how it's killing. 
So I mean, <laughs> never heard that before, but it's going to the playlist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of like um, to take a a particular song and not just R&B it up or, or <laughs> hip hop it up um, or acoustic it down like some people <laughs> do to, to hip hop songs? But I guess what what did you did, did you get a different feeling from it or a different sense of the of the song from hearing both versions? One can be played in the club and one can't. <laughs> just be, I don't see anyone stripping to this one. Just saying. But um, but yeah, I mean, he gave it. I mean, like both songs were good. And the thing to say about modern day pop music is modern day pop music has such R&B and hip hop influences that yeah he changed it but not that much because that's just what modern day pop music is. You know, there's there was not a real drum um recording in that first one. It was a beat machine. He just funked it up a bit. He was like, "Yeah, we're going to add a little bit, you know, we're going to do some um some really cool stuff on the hi-hat. We're going to add in like, you know, some trap style snare." <laughs> like it's you know, and it yeah, and it works, and you know that brought it into the into it actually broke into. I'm reading here into the Hot 100 after that remix came out. It was at 94, but it broke in. You yeah. Know? Um, like it switched it up just just enough. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. What what other things about? I'll start with you, Brandon. What else like kind of stands out to you about? about Timbaland as far as, I mean, anything he's done um, as a performer or as a producer? His use, well, I would, I, he doesn't do it a lot now, but his, like, earlier usage of, I don't, I don't know what to call them. I would, I would, I would say, like, song, like, Bollywood songs. Hmm. Okay. Oh, like, like Big Pimpin'. Like, yeah. <clears throat> like Big Pimpin'. Uh, he has a, there's a song on Shock Value called Bombay, where he's like doing a, a call and response uh, type thing with the uh, the same. I I don't want to I I I, I want to say Indian, but I don't want to be extremely wrong about it <laughs> and get canceled. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, like but, like but like I would say Timberland is the reason I have like uh, an appreciation for that style of. Of uh, I guess like quote unquote Bollywood music. So it's interesting too because if there were a track, if there were tracks out of his catalog that I would not attribute to him, Big Pimpin' was the first. I did not know for years that that was a Timbaland beat. Even when someone told me, I was like, no, it's not. And then I looked it up, and I'm like, that it doesn't because it doesn't sound like him. And I think in terms of being a good hip hop or good, you know producer making beats and things like that that is a mark like because everyone has their style Timbaland has his style and for him to be able to make a song that's completely not his style and have a hit with it to me is phenomenal 
I would have never known that was him, ever. Um, like everything, like like uses of uh, like guitars within rap music. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 um, I, and I feel like because I don't know if Big Pimpin started it, but I feel like there were other. Or if Timblin just kept trying to do that using <laughs> so, I, I don't know if he kept doing it, but I, it seemed he like did, that like, become a popular like a thing run. for a while. He like he mm-hmm. had like a run where like almost every song was like a sample of a of an of of, of a, a quote unquote Bollywood song. Yeah, I feel like I thought that was that was a popular trend for a while. Um. Yeah, I would have never attributed yeah. this to him. I just, I did not realize. Same with Dirt Off Your Shoulder. Like, he just kind of changed. When he works with Jay-Z, it's like he changes up his style. It's the weirdest thing. But I love this song. Apparently, Jay-Z does not anymore. <laughs> Jay-Z <laughs> says he is appalled by the things he said in this it's, song. It's uh, a misogyny anthem. And yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first line. Right out the gate with it. I'm breathing. I love the song, though. Yeah. I wonder if Beyonce was like, you're going to disown that song. Yes, dear. Oh, <laughs> uh, this this is before. This, well. well I'm saying, pro- like, now, afterwards. Oh, well, yeah, now, yeah. You, you're going to disown it. He was probably like, yeah, yeah. And then she was I like, think. you're going to disown that. Okay, dear, I got you. <laughs> Whatever you say. I can't believe I said those things. <laughs> like, you're going to perform Halo with me from now on. <laughs> Which would make me sad because, like, his performance of that on the um, Unplugged with the Roots, so good. And it makes me sad that he probably never plays this song out anymore. No. I mean, I he probably does, anything from Volume 3, he probably does... Uh... Hmm. I don't know if he does any songs from Volume Three. <laughs> um, Izzo is on Volume Two, I think, or the Blueprint. I don't know. I don't know. There's probably like very few songs uh, pre Beyonce that he does in <laughs> concert. Um, and she has to prove the set list, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Ben, what uh, what about you? What what else kind of like stands out to you about him, about Timberland? Um, <laughs> this is so. This is kind of because we've been praising and praising him. This is kind of a strike on him. He's not that good of a rapper. Um, I get it. You make the beat. You want to be on it. You know. You you have three solo albums. One of them you don't really you sing on. But like Tim's basement, he don't really rap on it that much. You know, it's not <clears throat> streaming on. He's not on. It's yeah, not it's on not, Spotify. Yeah. So he probably has disowned it. Yeah. His work that and none of his Timbaland Magoo stuff is on there either. No. Um, and I feel like he kind of <laughs> he kind of realized that like I'm not a rapper, so I was re- I really need to stop reserving the best beats for myself and give them to some really talented rappers because as much as I like Up Jumps the Boogie, Missy destroys them <laughs> on that song. Oh, man. Like in half of ever, a let me get the singing. <laughs> yeah, like he, she just like, and her verses aren't even as long as theirs, and she just destroys them with both of them, and it's just like yeah, I would like to think maybe that's when he was like, "Damn, I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> I'm just not as good," you know, and that's okay, you know, because when he, I think when he realized that, you know, he just 
his work with other people just got even better and better. And, um, oh, God, yeah. He, and it's not streaming anywhere either. You have to just, was this from YouTube, I'm guessing? This is from YouTube. Yeah. I was obsessed that with this song. Hold on. That sounds like, it might be that pitched. Sounds up. It might be pitched to keep it from getting found by Leah's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this one. But oh, and for some reason, I picture being like Claw from Inspector Gadget, like a Leah's <laughs> uncle. Gadget. Like I'm just holding all of this good music hostage. Not even for the biopic. Reason. Not even the biopic. <laughs> <laughs> better get those covers popping <laughs> and I mean and I hate this you know cause I know we've been like you know talking about how great he is but like you know he's just him and Magoo just weren't the you know Magoo was slightly better his verse on Beat Me 911 was pretty solid but I hear a lot of people talk about how Magoo is also like not he, okay if he's better than Timbaland then he's still not very good yeah that's not saying much <laughs> you know <laughs> That's like being like, I'm better than Lil Romeo at basketball. Well, I mean, <laughs> he played for USC because he could get them DeMar DeRozan. We all know that. Got cut the next year. It's not a compliment. So, um, yeah, I, and I love, as, as mediocre as their raps are, I still love this song. And I'll still yeah. listen to it. But I get really hyped when Missy starts to rap because she's so good. Like Pam Grin movies. And that's all you do. <laughs> you heat up the beat. Yeah, and of course he had to say Virginia in there, so you know where he's from. <laughs> Gee, don't forget. <laughs> like it's reminiscent of like <laughs> of Easy E, early Easy E. <laughs> they punch in each line. He's like punching in each line. <laughs> like the 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 verse the verse is nonsensical. Yeah, like it. I I I don't. <laughs> And then and a was, real rapper comes in. Uh, <laughs> also, they, I, I might be bugging, but like he did it like like a lot of his earlier stuff when it was like his verse, like it sounded like he was on the phone. Yes. <laughs> so okay, so like just him. So that brings me to on the song. that brings me to another thing because the word producer in hip hop, I think, is is a bit of a misused word. Because most producers are really just composers. They produce a beat, as in they compose a beat, they compose the music. I don't know, and this is probably just because I don't do the research, how much do they actually know about engineering a record? Granted, I know, you know, most of the time you bring in an engineer, but like, does Timbaland know how to mic an amp? <laughs> I have no idea. And that's and that's and if he doesn't, that's not a mark against him. Would he have to do that? And that's why I say that's not a mark against him. But I just think, like, when we talk about producers, Tom Lord Algae is a producer. <laughs> Butch Vig is a producer. You know, these are people who, in, in addition to helping with the artistic direction, they also go like, hey, get the drums in there. We're going to mic them this way so that we make that snare pop. They know, how, they know the techniques to use to keep the mics from, the sound from bleeding into other mics. And that's not saying that if you're a hip-hop producer and you can't do that, that you're trash. But it's just the the way that the word hip you know producer is used in hip hop is often like they're actually not producers. They just make a beat and someone raps over it and then someone else it helps them engineer it. Like is, you know, Timbaland doing mic checks. Is he getting there? He's like, Oh, we're getting some uh we're getting a lot of pop on the mic. Let's let's see what we can do to 
bring that down. Does you know how to put a de-esser on? <laughs> and I know I'm sure people who record a lot of vocals, and I'm sure you know what a de-esser is, but is Timbaland in there saying that like, oh yeah, that, let's pull in, let's compress that, put some de-esser on there, or is he just making beats? And, that, and that's just I'm curious, you know. I'm like I I I feel like he does everything <laughs> but the like really technical aspect. Okay. I don't know. I could be wrong. And I can respect that because, I mean, like, that's not diminishing the work he's done because Timbaland's done some great work. But, like, whenever I think of a, a producer in hip-hop, it's all it's about their beats. No one talks yeah. about and, and And the reason I thought about that is if he's doing that's that cool. to him voice, his voice, that's probably his... He's probably like, yeah, take my take my lows out, <laughs> and some of my and you know, and some of my mids. We're gonna make this very trebly. Maybe that was the decision he made, you know, to get that and sound. An, an unfortunate thing that's like common within, like, uh, I would say, like hip hop, and like, I don't know. I would, I get, yeah, I guess I would say that's a common thing within hip hop and R and B. And I hate, I hate. I hate to use this guy as an example, <laughs> but he's the only one I can think of at the moment. But like, if you look up a Dr. Luke video, he's like going over all the gear yeah. within the studio. It's like, oh yeah, I patched this into this. Yeah. I patched that and dialed that in. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got this. Yeah. Yeah. I And I've seen some of, you know, some of the, now, and, and that's common in pop producers. I think Mitch Allen um, never thought I'd say his name, <laughs> Mitch Allen from SR71, when he started doing more pop stuff, and they would ask him about, you know, when I was looking up plugins, and they're like, how do you chain your plugins? Does Zaytoven know how to chain plugins? I know that The Dream does, because I've heard The Dream talk about it. As a matter of fact, The Dream talked, when they asked him how he's got that A, A, A sound, he said, because when you're running Pro Tools on a crappy computer like mine, and you can't get all the plugins to run, you got to sacrifice He's like, so I had to sacrifice the the echo. <laughs> so I would make my own echo, and people said it was hot, so I kept doing it. Even though now I have better soft, you know, hardware, I just do it now because it's it's my thing. So I know that the dream, in addition to writing, knows at least something about chaining together effects. Does Metro Boomin. And these are not slights against them. Because if you've got some if, if you've got a great beat and you know what you like to hear. And you've got somebody in the studio with you engineering it, and you can say, hey, I want to do that thing. And they're like, cool, and they dial it up, and they make it happen, but you don't know how they did it? Fine. That's the process. That's that's just your process. But, you know, like, <laughs> like you don't, it's, you know, because I know, like, Babyface produced a song on um, a, he produced a song on a Fall Out Boy album on Infinity and High. I'm like a lawyer the way I'm always trying to get you off. And I have a lot of respect for him. And I'm 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 I like to think that he fully produced that song from start to finish. He helped them with the artistic direction. Maybe he said, Hey, you know, what sound are you trying to go for? He mic'd the because he, he's a musician himself. So he's like, he mic'd the guitars, he maybe made suggestions on how they should sound, mic the drums, all that stuff. I like and to he think did he background did background vocals. Yeah. I would like he to, does that on all the yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> face, that's what face does, man. <laughs> so I would like to think, you know, but, you know, and, and I've always, this is something that's always bugged me. 
when I talk to people and to them, because if you're if you're a hip hop fan and that's all you know, if if when we talk about producers, all you know are beat makers. Yeah, that's that's how yeah. it's that's how it's used. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as Timbaland, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he is. He talked about in the interview that I watched. He talked about like you know doing things with different effects mm-hmm. and how he put things together. So he does do that. But when he worked with the Hives or Fallout Boy, I don't know if he mic'd any amps. Yeah, and truth be told, <laughs> you know, Joe Trollman probably mic'd his own amp. He might, <laughs> he might have been like, "Yeah, but, I got this." He's well, yeah. He's been known to work with like other, like I guess, I guess you like in that sense would call them composers for certain for certain records. But the, the song, the song itself would be produced by Timberland mm-hmm. but like the track itself would be composed by someone mm-hmm. else like maybe like Danger Hands or Polo to Don. Yeah. Polo to Don. <laughs> oh man, that's a throwback. <laughs> Didn't Trump reference him in a rally recently? I'm about to say who is a Trump supporter. Right <laughs> Polo to Don? Yeah. Really weird. Oh God. What is what's what's going on? Does money change people like that for real? I, Taxes, man. I guess. I didn't even think look, Polo that, to Don really look, had he, money he, like that. He clearly makes over $400,000 a year, so he doesn't want Biden to raise his taxes. He's like right there, too. He's like, if you rate, it's like, I'm not even that far, man. Don't take what little I got. <laughs> huh. Somebody streamed love in this club a million times. <laughs> All right. But, <laughs> but I do think, though, like, you know, with you bringing up how his voice sounded, that was probably a production choice. That he made to say to say do that, you know, because everyone else sounded normal, <laughs> and, he, and he sounded like you said, like a you know through a phone, which is funny because now that's like a setting. Like back then, you had to be like, yeah. "All right, man, go in here and EQ this, take these lows out, take some of the mids out." Now I just hit phone, <laughs> yeah, and it just like, does that's it. Literally, that's using literally Adobe Audition, that is a setting. Yeah, telephone is a setting. It's just Adobe there. Audition. You know? <laughs> Like, it's literally how Party Next Door got his name. It's a setting in the in Shut the up, reverb really? BSC on FL Studio called Party Next Door. <laughs> well, no, the filter BSC called Party Next Door. Oh my and that's god! That's how you get that that lo-fi uh, part. Well, yeah, there's a party <laughs> happening next door. <laughs> type oh my sound god! That he uses on everything. That could that, and I, I'm not going off on a tangent here, but that could be an episode in itself. Um, FL Studios influence on hip hop music in the early to the mid two thousands. It yeah, yeah. It, when when and that kind of relates to the the, <clears throat> the DIY episode we did yeah. a while back. Soldier Boy made crank that yep. Soldier Boy on a free <clears throat> version of yep, Fruity the trial Loops. version of FL Studios, and I, I think he had to do. Fruity. He had to do it like in like 30 minutes so he could save it. Otherwise, the program will just close. What was funny, too, is they leaned into that. And like they have like I've seen videos in which they were like, yeah, this is how you do it. Like make the (laughs) and like I swear, like they don't put his name on there. But that's that set sound of um, of hand. The percussion he uses has its own little folder. Like it's there. They don't put the, the tell them, you know, pack or whatever. But like they're there. Like it's like four or five of them, and they're right there. And I was just like, wow. 
they're leaning into this here <laughs> real heavy for a dude that basically stole the product from them. But or when we talked about um, uh, the kid who made the song uh, Coco for OT Genesis, mm-hmm. he made it on a free on Fruity Loops at school. Yeah, and he had to he had to do it in like thirty minutes, or the program would just close yeah. on you. But uh, but I don't think Timbaland was using FL. Which I wonder, do you know what he uses? What doll he uses, Brandon? I have no idea. I feel like he just like he uses like a, like a keyboard, like a, okay, probably just MIDI's and like the Pro Tools. Were, yeah. Okay. Um, doll means for the listeners who might be uninitiated, uh, digital audio workstation. I just use jargon. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> like, like I know, like yeah, I know, like. With like the Neptunes, they use the like a old keyboard called the AR a- ASR ten, okay. I believe it's called, where it's like you had to like sample your own things into the keyboard and then use them. Mm. And I'm trying to get more into gear um, okay. as I, I record more. I found an article. See if let me read it here. Um, as far as mm-hmm. what he uses, who Timbaland? Wh- oh yeah. Oh nice. Um. <clears throat> It's not letting me scroll. Because I would be curious but to know, I'm too, to pull it up. what is mic, because I know like a lot of producers, you hear of them, oh, I have, this is the mic I use because, and they'll know why, um, which will probably come up because I would like to do a future episode on, well, well offline, offline. <laughs> but I do hear that quite a bit. Like certain producers have like, oh, this is the mic I, I use everywhere. And I'm just like, huh. They're so proud of this mic. <laughs> okay. Uh, him and his team use uh, Ableton. Oh, okay. I was I was going to say either Ableton or Logic. Yeah. They but... use Logic also. Okay. And they use Avid, uh, well, Pro Tools. Um, they also, uh, well, those that's what they use most commonly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he started using Ableton when he got more into electronic type stuff. And he uses an Ableton device called a push. A push. Okay. For drums. Um and as far <laughs> as plugins, he uses uh, a sidechain compression. Okay. I will never forget that but, ah, what was it called? I if he had teamed up with some company. He had teamed up with some company to like produce his own his own like keyboard computer fusion type thing where it was a, it was a a giant like imagine a giant mix board with a screen in it with a with a keyboard attached to it and I tried so hard <laughs> to convince my parents to like you don't even have to buy me the whole thing. Like just like give me money toward it. <laughs> um, it's gonna bug me until I figure out what it's Timberland Edition keyboard. The Open Labs Miko is what I'm not familiar called. with that at all. It didn't go anywhere because it was it was absurdly priced. And it didn't last. Holy long. crap. <laughs> yeah, that's only pros are buying that, bro. <laughs> this is I used. So Jesus. hard to get this keyboard. Twenty two hundred used. Yeah, that's go- that's only going to professional studios. Yeah. 
Man. Right. Or unless you're, you know, shout out to Matt. I'm sure he's listening. Matt had like the finest of fine. <laughs> had great <laughs> stuff. He had that Apollo, um, I think it was the Apollo uh, audio input. He, he he just has really nice stuff. He has really <laughs> good stuff. I envy some of the stuff he has. <laughs> um. That's uh, other stuff that other things he, he used a plugin called Kickstart by Nicky Romero. I've heard uh, the name Nicky Romero. Um, he's an he's a electronic uh, dance producer. Yeah. Because I've been using a lot of, I believe it's Saturn is the name of the company. I've been using a lot of their plugins. And I think when I was looking into them, though, I saw about the Nicky Romero plugin and it's expensive as hell. Like it was like, it was not a budget. I was like, if you can, if you can. You know, get the money to get it. I think it was like a thousand dollar plug in. It's like pass. I can't. I can't afford that, man. We gotta find cheaper ways. That's too expensive for me to even steal. Like I feel bad. <laughs> like I'm not gonna. Yeah. Um. So th- and I'm getting this from the. Uh, if y'all see ever seen those ads, I don't see them as much anymore. Is it the masterclass? The masterclass okay. ads. Um. He's not the only. Uh, person teaching production. Uh, okay. There's also. Uh, Christina Aguilera, Usher, Armin Van Buren, and Dead Mouse. I'd hear Dead Mouse. What does Christina Aguilera know about production? Uh, I need to stop. Might not, someone's going to prove me wrong. It might not. It might. <laughs> it might not be production. It might say, be vocals. Okay. You know. Say, yeah, yeah. She teaches singing. My bad. Okay, I was going to like she teaches singing. <laughs> um, and that's when I use the sausage fattener on my voice. Which I will, I'll give them a plug. Sausage Fattener is amazing. I, go check it out. That's a great plug-in. I still need to listen. It's it's good. Sausage Fattener and Endless Smile, great plugins. <laughs> Very useful. Um. So we are okay. We are over the two hour mark. Okay. Because um, we're having fun. Yes, we are. And time a good is time. flying, and we're talking about Timbaland. <laughs> um. I kind of wanted to get to um. I this when looking up as like you know future sex love sounds and and the the shock value albums, what happened to danger? Yeah, that's a good question. I I, I heard that they had a falling out, that him and Timberland had a falling out, and I do remember like danger like, I think he was like in a like a really bad car accident that like had him sidelined for a while Mm. that was supposed to be the big thing though the clutch was supposed to be that was that was the that was the next big yeah production i was i watched them very closely you know and then yeah i just kind of remember them not being around and i know danger was there when uh on blackout when they did the britney spears album blackout and I was he was doing a lot around that time. Um he did work on the the the, the well I, I think it's the second <laughs> Danity Kane album. Mhm. His let's see what his uh the last project he is shown to have done is uh the song Shining with uh DJ Khaled Incapable by Keisha Cole and Vices by Ludacris mm. which is a song that doesn't appear to have been released. Yeah, no, he was he was getting, you know, pushed big and Oh, he did oh well He produced he, on Aladdin? He he produced like the Will Smith Aladdin. And yeah. he produced on Man of the Woods, so maybe they oh, reconciled. The 
maybe. But he's he's definitely not what we I thought he was going to be. He was going to yeah. be him and Carrie Hilson. Yeah, Carrie Hilson. I think they were just, they were trying to make her a star more so than, than like, and I don't think people realize that like she was a better writer than she was a singer. <laughs> I blame. I blame. I, I I I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard. I heard it was Polo to Don that pushed her to take that dig at Beyonce. Oh, <laughs> and really? That was kind of like the nail in the coffin oh, for her. If, if, I don't. Even, I don't. Even, I've never even heard about that. But if it was, oh, she came at Beyonce. Yeah, that's the end. But you like, aim for the king. You better stop missing. <laughs> that's not. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know what she said. <laughs> I don't even know what she said at all. It was something on a song. And from then on, people just stopped messing with her. Because Pretty Girl Rock was pretty popular. So was Knock You Down. Um, but I always felt like I just I, I was like, just write. That's where the money is. Like yeah. that's why you don't or, see like, <laughs> Doctor Luke out there. You know, feature. huh? Write and do features. Yeah, agreed. Like I, I, I look at someone like a Max Martin who is like, I tried to make it. <laughs> then I started writing and I'm like really rich <laughs> I, I found out that's like, where the money is yeah <laughs> like I'm unnecessarily rich yeah kids are you familiar with royalties <laughs> say it with me now <laughs> <laughs> so I'm surprised he didn't just she didn't just keep writing and you know hmm. but yeah I, I, that does kind of make me sad that we never really got you know and we never got to see Danger's Best yeah, I mean he's still around. Uh, what this this Wikipedia says? Um, well, it has the it lists the equipment he uses. Um, <laughs> uh, an iMac and is it Apogee? Apogee? Not familiar. I don't know anything about oh, uh, uh, the sound card. An Akai MPC four thousand, a Roland okay. V synth, uh, and a Alasis Andromeda A six synthesizer. Okay, Alesis. Yeah, a Yamaha Motif. And an Access Virus TI. Okay. <laughs> and he uses Logic Pro, and it says he charges fifty thousand to a hundred thousand a track. I don't know. How right out of my price now. range. <laughs> Gosh darn! If only it's <laughs> trying to get a, a danger feature. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think probably also part of the downfall of Danger and Carrie Hilson was that Blackout album. It was rushed. Mm-hmm. Was, they tried to do that in five minutes. I still like but, some but of the tracks on it. that was right after it. Britney shaved her head, I believe. Yeah, I like some of the tracks on it, but it could have been better. Yeah, yeah. it didn't feel done. Um, <clears throat> but back to Timberland, uh, kind of to wrap this up here, uh, Brandon, how should how would how should people view Timberland as a producer, artist, musician, uh, figure. <laughs> I would say, huh? It's a good question. But besides, besides the obvious of being one of the best to do it, I guess. I guess he should be seen as one of the, the, oh no, I can, you can't say that either. Well, for, for this generation, when it comes to 
one of like one of the uh, forefathers of like just like within the pop music realm of like blending blending genres where like bring bring bridging the gap between hip hop and and pop music and like sort of like melding it into what I guess well pop pop music today is more so geared towards the electron well yeah you gear look gear into what like pop what normal pop music is today mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> uh ben how about you hmm i would say there's a handful of producers who you know by name um and i think that speaks to how big and influential he's been. And it was to the point of where it didn't really hurt him, you know? Like, I think, you know, Diddy is one of those producers you know by name, but I think it's for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's for because now of his... Now it is, especially now. Yeah, I don't think it's because of his quality of work. And I still don't understand the obsession with him. I get his, his mid-90s to early 90s stuff, but... I'm not going to go there because that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but <laughs> but we know Timbaland for the right reasons. You know, like, yeah, he sings with auto-tune, but I don't think he's ever done anything cringe that makes you go like, uh, Timbaland. He's a good producer, but uh, Timbaland. Like, he's, he's known for the right reasons. He was innovative. He was creative. And, I mean... Like Brandon said, like he is, I think, one of the main reasons, if not the reason, that we have this this revolution of electronic pop-infused music. I'm not gonna say he was the first, but he made it he made it, I think, okay to where, you know, when people like David Guetta started coming to America to do their thing, we were ready. It wasn't like a, I got to get used to this. You know, the first David Guetta song I remember hearing was um, the one he, the track he did with Akon. Oh, uh, Sexy Bitch? Yeah. And by, but by the time I heard it, like, I was ready because, you know, we'd been, we'd been prepared by the likes of Timberland and other, you know, producers who weren't afraid to go there with that type of music to when, to the point of where it came over. Because, I mean, I'm not, and this isn't a dig against Timberland. But his music is electronic inspired. It is not EDM. It's EDM inspired. So when real live in the flesh EDM producers started coming over here and we started hearing choruses where you just hear a few words and it's mostly synth, we were ready. And I don't think we we would be ready without that type of music that he kind of was at the forefront of pushing. We wouldn't have, I don't, I think it would have been a harder sell. You know, I I hate to use this phrase because I use it a lot, but you know, uh, Timbaland crawled so that Calvin Harris and David Guetta could walk and run. <laughs> I, I would I would agree with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that will do it for our um, discussion on Timbaland. And uh, there is a playlist on Spotify, BTTYHT, produced by Timbaland. Um, it's not everything, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of songs uh, to kind of get you started. And I'll probably be adding some over time. Um, once, 
once Aaliyah's stuff is put on yeah. streaming services, he was also asked about that in the interview mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's a lot of his songs that, yeah. he, that he co-wrote and co-produced. And he's like, I, I got I have no control over that. Yep. And he doesn't, sadly. Yeah. But one day, <laughs> uh, do we have to wait for her uncle to die? I don't know. But it is her uncle, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, other than that, <laughs> um, <laughs> that'll do it for our discussion on Timbaland. We'll get to my Irum of the Week. Um, the Both artists that are on this song have been featured in separate ways, uh-huh. but they did this song together. Um, one Aluna from Aluna mm. George. She's gone solo, I I guess. I don't I don't know how that with the arrangement there, but mm-hmm. uh and uh someone I featured before, SG Lewis. Oh nice, okay. So they did a song for her solo album, which is called Renaissance, and got a song together called Warrior. Um and what I also like what Aluna's doing is she's trying to make like like we talked I've talked I've talked about this before how a lot of music that's popular in America or maybe just music in general I mean maybe not like uh, Gregorian chants or anything like that <laughs> but a lot of popular music can be is traced through came from black people mm-hmm. and dance music came from black people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she she's talked about that how that has kind of been lost. And that she keeps being told that black people don't make dance music. Like black people invented dance Word? music. <laughs> so she's so she's uh she's pushing that agenda, which I appreciate. Interesting. Okay. So this song is called Warrior, Aluna and SG Lewis. And we'll be right back. find that on our BTTYHT Earworms playlist right now on Spotify. 
So that will bring us to the end of this episode. Um, I'm glad everyone had a good time. <laughs> um, Brandon, as we always ask, if you want to be found, where can people find you? Oh, I can be found, <laughs> I can be found at youtube.com slash beats by hog or on Twitter at father underscore club, where um, I would also like to say to anyone who might be listening that no matter how no matter how much you fight it, no matter how much you, you might you might cry about it, the Snyder Cut is coming whether you like it or not. <laughs> <sighs> sorry, sorry. <clears throat> no, I've just I've been waiting uh for this moment for all of my life. <laughs> and I can't wait. I will fight people. Uh, Batman v Superman um, is better than Avengers Endgame. I'll fight somebody over that. Hmm. Talk about it. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. But anyway, uh, you were saying, sir. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess the Twitter is father underscore club. Hold on. Do you have youtube.com slash beats by Huh? Do you have Snyder Cut stuff on your on your page right now? On your YouTube page? No. Oh, okay, I was gonna say, like, bro, let me. I will smash that like button. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, ben, where can we be found? <laughs> we can be found in the opening moments of the Snyder. Let me stop. <laughs> but no, for real, I am so excited about that. Um, because as soon as I saw Justice League, um. I could tell, and that's what the Snyder Cut is, Greg, because you're <laughs> Greg's over like, what are they talking about? I, well, uh, I, Zack Snyder um, was the original director yes. of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, his Tragically, his daughter committed suicide. Okay. So he left the project mid-project. Uh, Warner Brothers, who are very, um, I don't want to say they're greedy because all executives are greedy, but they're meddlers. Um, they meddle in their movies. They meddled in Batman v Superman. <laughs> Rather than letting Zack deal with what he had to deal with and come back, they wanted to keep their bonuses because um, Warner was getting bought out um, the next year. I forget by, by who. Disney? No, not yeah. by Disney. Um, <clears throat> I think it was not AOL because that's old news. Um, I forget who they're getting. They're getting bought out essentially. So to keep their bonuses, they rushed the movie and they went and got Joss Whedon <laughs> to finish the movie, okay. even though they're completely different directors tonally. And they were like, hey, you know what you did in Avengers? We want you to do that in Justice League. So if you see... Oh, it, it, is that okay? No, no, <laughs> not even. So if you, see, if you see the original cut of Justice League, it totally does not make sense. Like, it'll be dark in one moment and then a boob joke. Like, it's the weirdest thing ever. And after I saw it, I went home and, you know, I'm on the internet and stuff. And it starts floating around. This is the first weekend. They're like, okay, there is a Snyder Cut out here. Like, not even kidding. People knew it because there were insiders who worked in the movie who were like, yes, this is the breakdown. These are the Zack Snyder scenes. These are the Joss Whedon scenes. Who had screened it before him. It was like, that's not the movie we were promised. Yeah. So they could tell you, like, yes, this is not how the movie started. So. Um, so there is a complete Snyder cut. 
No, because he didn't. So there were oh, certain he, I know things he didn't, he didn't it, get but... to do. Okay. So there were effects missing, but like there's entire storylines that were missing. Like one thing that really I didn't even think about until someone mentioned it in the very first scene, Batman is stopping a cat burglar because he wants to attract a parademon. Does not have a beard. A day later, he's in Norway looking for Aquaman with a full, full beard. With <laughs> a full beard. And they're like... So which he then leaves Norway <laughs> and doesn't have a beard again. And then he's shaving in the plane. So it's just like, okay, so clearly <laughs> Warner Brothers... There's some time there's some continuity. there. Yeah, so you start reading up on those sorts of things and people are able to... They're like, yes, I've spoken to people who worked on the movie. These are the Snyder scenes. These are the Whedon scenes. The Whedon scenes, of course, are all like happy and like literally they there's a scene in the movie where um, they're doing they're having their team up moment at the end. And the Wonder Woman turns around and she gives this smile. Joss Whedon added it in. It was cheesy as hell. But that's something that, you know, so um, so after all, you know, after they had the purging of all of these executives from. Warner Brothers, people started demanding the Snyder Cut. The main reason being because we know what they did to Batman v Superman. There's an ultimate edition of Batman v Superman and the theatrical edition. Everyone has basically said that Batman v Superman goes from being a C-plus movie to a B-plus, A-minus movie when you see Zack Snyder's actual vision, what he wanted, which let us know that Warner Brothers is making him cut. Like, they made him cut things that, like, move the plot along. Because you're just like, like that doesn't make sense. 45 minutes of the movie. Yes, 45 minutes they took out of the movie. So we, so everyone was like, okay, clearly Warner Brothers did this again. We want the Snyder Cut. We want the Snyder Cut. We want the Snyder Cut. So now HBO Max is like, all right, damn, you'll get it. Like, So there's the Snyder Cut, but they're going to make it four parts instead of just being one long movie. Cut okay. it into four parts, four one-hour parts, and we're going to have – we're going to get Dark Side. We're going to get the Green Lantern. We're going to get all the things we were promised. Is he doing anything else as far as the, the DC universe? Um, I mean, they probably. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they want to see how well this does. They, say, I would assume they let it get this far. They wouldn't yeah. just stop it. They invested here. an extra $80 million into this for him to finish it. Mm. And he's and he's bringing back um, Ben Affleck. He got Henry Cavell back as Superman. That's- Oh, so they're like they were. This is going to be like new stuff. There's going to be new stuff, yeah. Because oh, like okay. even the scene, the famous CGI lip of of um, Henry oh, Cavill yeah. as Clark that Kent, was another thing. like that was a Joss Whedon because they needed to do reshoots, and he was filming Mission Impossible, and he had a mustache. He couldn't cut and the he mustache. A, he couldn't cut it. <laughs> couldn't cut it. So they CGI'd his mouth, <laughs> <laughs> and I did my best to ignore it when I saw the movie because I was I was really hyped up about this movie. Um, and I know we just nerded out for like five minutes, but the Snyder Cut is something I'm like. They showed the trailer, the teaser trailer at the um, at uh, DC World, and it was awesome. I I mean, I I I want to I want to be a part of this. I just I just can't. Well, hey, they played Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen in the trailer, so I I don't like the Leonard Cohen version. (laughs) I don't care for that one. Which is funny because Zack Snyder also used a live version of that in Watchmen. During a sex scene, and it was really awkward. That, yeah, that was weird. It was really I, I weird. Have, I have seen that, and it, that was weird. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so um, I almost want to do a very special episode of By the Time I Hear This, just about the Snyder Cut, because it's going to be awesome. But anyway, um, where can we be found? 
I believe that was the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're not in the Snyder Cut yet. Um, but we can be found, um, first off, at by the time you hear this, dot com that you're not supposed to go to. But when I have some downtime, I'm going to actually get to work on that site to make it a good site because it is a resource. So be on the lookout for that. But you can go to Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. You can find us on Instagram at by the time you hear this. And you can also email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com. Now, the website is spelled with the word you, Y-O-U. The uh, Instagram, as well as our Gmail account, is spelled with the letter U, and that is because... We're urban. Yes, we are. Now, of course, if you want to, um, if you would like to listen to us on the go, as most people listen to podcasts, um, I don't have an annoying person that you can, that's, that's, I, I'm not going to lie. Every episode I look forward to who is going to be the annoying coworker. This <laughs> makes me wonder, have you had a lot of annoying coworkers? In life, yes. I think we all do. We all do. Um, so, yeah, so, but we can be found on the podcast app. We can be found on Apple Podcasts. Podomatic, we can be found on um, Listen Notes, Satchel Podcast Player, Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, and of course, Spotify. And soon, Amazon? Yes. Is it going to like, since it's Prime, are they going to come faster than regular podcasts? <laughs> I just, that just seems like a weird space to try to get into. But, I mean, it's, you know. Just imagine Jeff Bezos is like, what are we not into yet? <laughs> Podcast, make it happen. Like, I need to make, but but Jeff, you've already made $80 billion, more billions. <laughs> well, you, how, why haven't I made $160 billion? <laughs> Podcast, get on it. <laughs> As Bill Burr would say, little big, little big, get on it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that will bring us to the end here. What what should we end the, um, you know, we should end it with Sexy Back. Let's Word up. with that. So this is Sexy Back, Justin Timberlake, Timberland, Future Sex Love Sounds, which may be a future episode. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace.